2019 and for the fourth time in a row i think we're back for the psychology is dead top 50 wrestlers of the year countdown special extravaganza and all those other really fancy words for big unnecessary thing i am quentin moody and usually around this time of the year i don't have my co-host tonight with me as often as i had him with me throughout the year Usually we save it for this really big special thing for the top 50. And since the last time we've done the top 50, things have changed. Podcast podcast hosting have changed. We do a show. We do a show together now. So, Timothy, welcome. Obviously, we talk to each other every week. But doing the top 50 is really how a lot of our relationship started. And now it just feels like just another week talking to you. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And I was thinking about probably not gonna do an episode really next week because we're doing so much this and then i think the week after that we might be having another something special so maybe take a week off for christmas in between but yeah it's been it's definitely been different um coming into this now after having been doing the podcast together but i still feel like we don't talk about everything that we watch you know what i mean so there's still like a, a ton of stuff that uh that we won't have that we won't both have like seen or we won't have like talked to each other about yet um, from the year. But it is going to be interesting to see how it goes. I think through. like I think like usually we always again, we have a similar taste. We watch a lot of the same stuff and so we like so we usually have a lot of, like a good amount of crossover, but I think the last couple of years we've maybe been expecting ourselves to have less crossover than usual just because I guess like the the variety of like really good wrestling out there isn't as strong as it might <clears throat> excuse me as it might have been in 2015 2016 even 2017 so again just like last year I'm really intrigued to see the direction that you took for your list go your list that's going around what things that you're paying attention to that maybe I wasn't paying attention to paying attention to Obviously, if anyone knows our history doing this stuff, you're not someone that's going to have Lucha get Lucha guys really on here. So that goes without goes without saying. But before we get into everything, what were you really paying attention to? What are the big changes for you this year? Any usual blind spots? Talk to me. Well, my list is going to have one very glaring blind spot in general this year. And 
unfortunately I feel really bad about it, but it came down to a last minute decision that really ended up cutting a few people, which was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lot of women on my list this year and not because there haven't been a lot of good women this year, but because when I was getting down to it and I was putting my list together, I kind of took a stand where I had decided that if someone made their case primarily or only in NXT it being, you know, with NXT being like one of the only WWE branded things I pay attention to, I was just kind of like, I haven't paid enough attention really to it this year to even give it the time of day. So anybody whose their case was primarily NXT, only NXT, not on my list. So that cut a handful of girls that women that were on my list last year um, that would have still probably been on my list against this year. The two most glaring ones I'll say is Shayna Baszler and, and Rhea Ripley, who I think Rhea Ripley would have even been up higher. But when I was coming down to it and I had already made that decision with men. So people like Matt Riddle, I was like, well, I'm not going to have him on the list, even though I think I could because I'm taking this NXT, NXT decision. I was really coming down to it. It was the last two were really Shayna and Rhea. And I was just kind of like, I don't feel right having them be the only two on my list from only NXT. And even though I think that they both deserve it, I just was like, fuck it, I'm cutting them. And and so there, that was the kind of the, honor. I guess I'll say honorable mention, like, that's it. Like, that's going to be a huge difference for me this year um, from last year and from any of the years, really, is that I just really put my foot down completely on it because I'm not reviewing NXT anymore. I really wasn't paying attention to it, you know, episode to episode as much as I have in the past. So I was just kind of like, you know what, forget it. I'm not going to not going to do it. Um, so that's kind of probably my biggest thing that I will say stands out as different from any other year. What was the big turning point for you? Like, why did you come down so hard on on people having only NXT resumes and you deciding that now you weren't going to be counting people for towards the rest of the year? Uh, like I said, just because I'm not paying attention as much as I used to, the product is, it's really, I know it was late in the year, but it turned into a main roster WWE product being on, you know, USA television so that kind of combined with like i said just not paying attention to it as much was kind of like yeah i mean i don't consider i've historically not considered other people just because you know i don't pay enough attention to wwe and nxc is really just wwe at this point and this was the year where i feel like that switch solidified i mean obviously in the fact that it's treated as a pure third brand and not a developmental territory and you know the fact that it is on national television now and it's not just online um, so yeah, it was just kind of, it was time it was lumped in. It's, it's WWE now. And for me, WWE wrestlers don't make my list just because I don't pay enough attention to it. There was years where Daniel Bryan, AJ, you know, people like that, even Roderick strong were like on my list or could have been on my list, but I cut them because of saying, if I'm not going to rate WWE wrestlers then I can't just rate a couple of them. So that was kind of it for me. I think the biggest Thing I've noticed there, I, I tried to do a better job keeping up with Joshi than I have in years past for good for getting into for getting into this uh the year the year end stuff. And I think I did a better job than I have done, but I think the reality of a lot of Joshi in 2019 is I think the places that we might have been looking to for great matches before, like Stardom and uh Tokyo Tokyo Joshi Pro, just didn't really have that strong of years. So while I did make a concerted effort to make sure that I gave everyone a fair chance, a fair shake there, I didn't real, I didn't get as many Joshi representatives as maybe I would have liked, 
And then the flip side is I had way more Lucha guys that I was considering than I thought I would. Like, the last, like, three cuts I have or honorable mentions are, like, Laredo Kid, Arez, Latigo, and Dragon Bane. So, I have, like, so that was, so that was a interesting thing for me as to where, like, I don't think I've seen it really get talked about, talked up as this really strong lucha year because I, because obviously CMLL is not in great shape right now to say the least. Triple A has been better than I think. Triple A is better than people have acted. People Triple A is like is as good as people were acting like it was last year and the year before, where I thought in 2018, 2017, saying Triple A was good, while I still thought it was rooted in a little bit of irony. I think right now Triple A is probably a actually decent to good company so that was that was a big boost and i think just the usual crew of indie guys who have been around the scene for years but are just now starting to get that same shine and get triple a bookings and all that stuff um a lot of the a lot of guys rose up who weren't really bit buzzing names before so i was pleasantly surprised with the lucha, amount of lucha guys i had on here and then some big surprises like obviously some huge drop-offs I imagine we'll still have some of these guys on our list, but man, you probably have some big drop-offs here. One of them is being Kyle Fletcher, who didn't even sniff my consideration here. Yeah, yeah, he was a guy that was bouncing around in my 40s, 30s for the initial draft, and when I really got serious, because I usually just put together a list of people and eyeball it and sometimes reference my list from the year before, and he was bouncing in that area, and then there was a point where I said, fuck him like i really can't i really can't even make an argument for having him on the list as much as i would like to just for the 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 sheer fact that you know i've enjoyed him for so long um this was just not his year and i'm gonna talk about huge drop-offs i think when we start the list my uh my my number 50 might be the biggest drop in the history of us doing this for someone who's still on the list i'm curious to see if it's the same person so I guess without doing too much more, let's get right into it. Um, if you if you listened to us before, you know exactly how we do this. So, Timothy, why don't you kick us off? My number 50 is a guy who I was thinking about it this morning as I was riding to work. Wrestler of the Decade could be, my, could be in my conversation for Wrestler of the Decade. Closing out the year with what would probably be, to me, his weakest year of the decade. But a guy who I can't not have in my top 50 even with a year as weak as he did just because of how great of a performer i really think he is and my number 50 this year is kenny omega hmm okay yeah i don't have i don't have kenny so that's what i'm saying i I don't even think you'd have him yeah so that in the eight and then i think his aew stuff has been all right like if the moxie match was better or if i liked it more i could maybe have squeaked kenny on there but uh you go ahead on him yeah i really liked I mean, I've, I've really liked everything he's done at AEW, if I'm honest. Even the stuff that, like, people were not super high on, um, like the Fighter Fest trios match, or, you know, Fighter Fest in general was kind of a down pay-per-view as far as people were concerned, or super show for them. I thought Kenny was great in there with the Young Bucks. Um, match with Sima, Shima, obviously, I thought was really good. The, all the stuff with, with Pac has been fantastic. Um the feud with Moxley, I've loved completely. I mean, I, I get why some people, I guess, aren't into it, but I'm really enjoying it. Then the AAA 
the couple of triple a matches that he's had so far fantastic tag team match um in ddt with rio i thought was really good so yeah i mean like i said i mean I th- the tanahashi match from the dome <laughs> and that's it that was kind of the icing on the cake because i thought about it and i'm like he still had that match that's in my probably in my conversation for match of the year you know probably top 10 maybe top 20 um so it's kind of like well he had a good year it was just not a lot there is not a lot of meat on yeah. the bone but like I said, this is kind of a pick where I just say, like, I I think he's too good to be off the list completely for me ever, um, even with the kind of limited output that he's had this year. Um, and, yeah, I think it sucks because I, I really do. I was thinking about it. I'm like, I really do think he's a guy who could be, I, you know, I've said Thatcher's, you know, my number one for wrestler of the decade, and I can't think of anybody else. So I was kind of like I, – I, Honestly, I think maybe Omega. Maybe Omega would be in the conversation, but he's closing the year out with, like, I think what would easily be his weakest year to me of the decade, honestly. Just for overall performances, like, his ability to to really feel natural in his character, which is a weird thing, I bet, for a lot of people to hear someone say about Kenny Omega, just because of how a lot of people think of Kenny. Uh, think of Kenny. But... To me, I think he's always felt natural in his skin, and this is a year where he's felt like there's something going on in his head, and he's just not comfortable with himself. That interview that he did recently where he talked about you know, being out of his comfort zone when it comes to producing AEW kind of maybe shined a little bit of light on that, that that is what's coming through on the screen, is that he just seems a little bit... He's not quite Kenny. And seeing him back in DDT, and again, like I said, the matches in AAA, he almost feels reinvigorated like the real Kenny Omega when he's there, because I think that the pressure of being more than just a wrestler in AEW is getting to him quite a bit. So, so yeah, I mean, seeing a guy still be able to perform at the level that he can when he turns it on, but then, you know, be shaken up and trying to, to, to kind of spread his, his wings and do something different, I think is admirable, especially when the thing that he's doing is, is arguably the best parts of AEW. We've talked about how Riho is like MVP of the company. And that's, I mean, that's his thing. The Joshis are all him and Riho, Kirishita, um, even Emi Sakura, like they're all having some of the best matches and the best stuff on the AEW show. So knowing that Kenny's involved in that as well kind of also boosts like, well, he's still having good performances as a wrestler and he's also doing other things backstage, you know, helping produce something and doing different things and still being able to keep up on his end of the bargain when it comes time to wrestle, even if it's a little shaky, I think it's pretty impressive. So that's that's kind of the talk there. It's a, He's a little bit down, like I said, comparatively, but but I mean... He's still Kenny Omega. He's still one of the best in the world, I think, and I, I just couldn't imagine not having him on my list. Quentin, what's your number 50? All right, well, my number 50 is someone that would have been ruled out for the, by the NXT rule, NXT rule that you laid down, but my number 50 is Io Shirai. Yeah, she's not on my list, and she, would have, she probably would have been if I was accepting NXT. Um, Io Shirai is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and she has been one of the best wrestlers in the world for... A good chunk of the decade. So, as the her NXT run is starting, is she's not really getting the same chances that you would like to see her get. Her run in the Mae Young Classic isn't great, although she has that really awesome match at Rhea Ripley that I love. The fight, the final, isn't great with her with her versus Tony Storm and all that stuff. So, Io kind of gets off to a slow start in in NXT, and I think. Even going into 2019, it does a little bit of a slow start. Um, she gets her she gets her singles match versus Shayna at a takeover, and it's not blow away great or anything. The same like what you'd expect from those two because they've had a blow away great match in the past, and it's kind of a letdown in that regard. But 
if you go through her year from all the Fatal Four Ways and the contenders and the contenders matches and the stuff with Candice LeRae, even the Mia Yim stuff, the one where the latter match where they fought for the team at War Games Advantage, Io Shirai routinely has been the best worker on the show. And I think that goes that goes between the men and women's divisions. I don't think there's anyone that's been on NXT TV as consistently as EO in delivering the way he the way, the way she has. From the Candice LeRae matches, the Shayna Cage match, her performance in War Games, and just her comfort in it being able to turn heel in a completely different way than she's done in the past. Io Shirai isn't new to being a heel. When she left Stardom, she was just coming off of a heel run. So it's not like she's new to it, but they're having her do it in a different way where she's kind of out there, kind of crazy. You know, that's how WWE likes to make their women when they turn when they turn heel. So Yoshira gets given that and it works. She makes it work really well and she's actually more over than she was when she first got to NXT. And I think now you're seeing that Yoshirai probably should be the top heel in the women's division once they move on once they move on from Shayna and maybe give the belt to Rhea Ripley. But I think EO, despite having a slow start, and I can understand maybe being underwhelmed by her and knowing what knowing what EO can do, I still think EO has developed into being the most reliable person on the NXT roster for a good match whenever you need it. Yeah, and and definitely one of the maybe the MVP of the women's uh, War Games match that was fantastic, like you mentioned there, and uh, and I said it when she came into NXT, I was like she should be heel, she should be feuding with uh, with Kerry Sane. And then uh, they put him as a tag team, and then eventually, um, you know, eventually she uh, she gets turned heel where she belongs, and, and she's doing something different than what I would have expected from her as a heel based on her past history. But she's yeah pulling it off really well. Um, so I guess my forty nine, I don't think you'll have on the list, um, is the ace of Pizza Party Pro Wrestling, the Oswald Project. <laughs> no, I don't have Oswald, but that's a really really fun pick there. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that that's the weird thing about my list this year. And it was something that I mentioned a little bit recently and then really kind of solidified to me when I'm putting together my list is this is a year where contracts, politics, and a lot of bullshit made it to where, honestly, nobody had a really good year where they got to break out and work everywhere. And the few who did, you know, are the cream that rise to the top and, and make a big deal. But even some of the best overall talent didn't get to work everywhere because of politics it wasn't just contracts it was also politics holding people back in places so kind of a mix of the only people who got to wrestle everywhere are everywhere are the bland nobodies who no one cares about um and then like the the really top level stars who got some places and got some you know allowed to do some things that others weren't in different places but realistically this is not a heavy volume year for any of the the people i mean a lot of people are held back in the amount of wrestling that they did so someone like oswald project can make it on the list from having a few really really interesting cool different matches and really being this just out of nowhere awesome character that's that's zany but really works um you know has basically primarily only pizza party matches but showed up on limitless on a big show and uh you know had a really cool spot interacting with people who he's done that familiarity with but like you know really fits his same role even in that setting in front of a different crowd and and really just shows that he's got the ability to break out even further than just being this zany guy on Pizza Party because I think that his act and what he can do would work pretty much everywhere. And I think that that's going to be shown in 2020 where he may end up even higher on my list uh, if he gets to get out there and have some more matches. 
Yeah, I was gonna ask was was this more a pick where it was you sort of putting some putting some coins in the biggie piggy bank here and then coming back to it later on in 2020 where you think he has potential to really make some noise in the indie scene or was it just genuinely like I think Oswald Project has been one of the best guys of the of 2019. It's a little of both, but it's really it's potential a little bit, but it's also like yeah, I think that he was great. I I, I mean okay. everything he did, I fucking loved. I loved the guy. I I want to see him more. You know, and there's not a lot of people that I want to see so much more of. I want to see tons of Oswald Project matches. I'm I'm watching backyard wrestling footage of this guy. That's how cool <laughs> I think he is. Cause I want to see as much of this guy as I can find. Man, he's so cool. All right, number 49 for me. Someone obviously you won't have, but I have Ejo Del County Sloopies. No, I do not. So, I think it might be weird to, for some people that do keep up with Lucha as to why I have Ejo Del County Sloopies on the list but I don't have Dragon Bane and I don't have or I don't have Laredo Kid. I don't have a Rez or Latigo. So for me, straight up, even though a lot of these guys were in this were in the same matches together, doing a lot of the same stuff together, routinely I was always just more impressed with Yoda kind of Lupus. I think he has a little bit more tangible charisma, a little bit more violent, a little bit more of a harder edge on top of being able to do the wacky spot fest that these guys specialize in so while yeah dragon bane is fucking spectacular and does things in a ring that really not many not not many people can match i think you know kind of lupus brings a lot of the personality to it and even when dragon bane and ihoda kind of lupus are tagging i think lupus routinely is the one bringing a little bit more of the personality the edge and the fire to them to the matches um those guys are in so that was the separator for me. Uh, great matches with a lot of people uh, involved with a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed. And I mean, like it was it was just a fun it was just a fun guy to watch all year, man. That was that's the that's the one thing I can give these guys. That even if I just have Ihoda Kindis Lupus on my li- on my list, that that entire core of guys was super fun was super fun to watch. And maybe I could have cheated a little bit. And put him and Dragon Bane together since they are so linked up. Obviously, like at their brothers, so doing a lot of tagging, even wrestling each other, I could have easily tried to figure to to figure that out and cheat. But I decided to go with the one that I think is a little bit better. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I've seen some stuff from all those guys you're mentioning, but like I can't I can't tell them apart. Honestly, I don't watch enough to even know. Um, they, they 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 blend, they blend together a lot. They do like a lot of wacky spot fests. Unless you're looking at them, like I think Eho the kind of Supers has more tattoos than Dragon Bane, or and Dragon Bane is a little bit skinnier. But that's but that's the way to that's the way to tell them apart. Obviously, apart, apart from their mask, that um, even though like Lupus and Bane, they're they like Bane is a lot smaller. Yeah. Um. All right, my uh, forty-eight is I. This is iffy. I don't. I actually don't think you'll have him. Uh, is the OJMO. No, I don't have OJMO. Yeah, and I can understand why. He's another kind of potential guy, but also I think that he's definitely delivered. Um, really broke out this year, honestly, and I you know, hear some people kind of saying, like, oh, he's a little bit shaky. Oh, he's probably too green. It's too early for him to be at the level that he is. But on- honestly, I mean, in the big spots, and they have to count on him because there's nobody else, he delivers. You know, he may not be 
the best wrestler on the planet, and he may not have the best matches, but he never... I haven't seen him shit the bed in a big high-profile situation yet. Um, so that's pretty impressive for someone who, you know, all anyone can say is he's too green, he's too young to be in the position that he is in. And, and to me, he he never misses. You know, he delivers in all the settings. RPW, he wins the British Jacob just recently um, because, yeah, I mean, I heard some people breaking it down. It's like he was the last guy they had left that they could really put it on as like a, a British guy because so many people disappeared or whatever happened to them. Um, but he really made it feel important. And then when it built to his match with pocket felt important. I haven't gotten a chance to watch the, the pack match yet. Um, but you know, at least like that build and, and getting to it felt like something going on, um, you know, feuding or at least having matches with David Starr in progress. I mean that, that, you know, number one contender or yeah, uh, the number one contender match that he had, um, with David Starr was great. And again, it was another place where I could see people saying like, he shouldn't be put in a position like that yet. Um, but he's fantastic there. I think, um, you know, in these yeah, RevPro, Progress, um, in those places where he's being put in positions where people think he's, you know, being kind of put over pushed from, from where he's ready, he's delivering. And then when he's in other settings where he's not being, you know, I guess forced or focused, be, being made into a, a main star before it's, it's his time, as people think, like OTT, he you know, primarily kind of seems to be tagging with... Um, uh, with Omari and it's a lot of fun and it's like he's really good there too so I think that he's doing a great job of being able to step it up when he needs to in the big situations when it's important and then also he's still young and learning and busting his ass I could definitely see a guy who's getting the kind of bookings that he's already getting not continuing to train and work as hard as he does but he does from like from what I hear from everyone he's still going to multiple seminars a weekend even when he's booked in the same weekend as the main event of the biggest show, you know, in England, um, he's still going to as many seminars as he can that weekend. So that's pretty impressive um, for a, a young kid to still be that humble when he's basically getting the world handed to him. He's a, he's a very hard worker and someone that I do think has the intangibles to eventually be someone that becomes a star or at least really lives up to the pressure that he's, that he's putting on himself. I didn't like as many of the matches that you listed that you did that David Starr number, number one contenders match I wasn't a big fan of. And the best match he was in was the teaming with Starr against Irie and Walter, which I thought was very good, but wasn't enough for him to really get considered for my top 50. That's fair. All right. So moving on to 40, 47, correct? Mm. It should All right. be your 48. So, it should be your 48, I think. Right? Yeah, you're right. My bad. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, all right. So for me, I have Ethan Page. Oh, damn. Uh, he did not make my list. So, he probably yeah. should have. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So this is probably a little bit of a shocker because I am not someone that does a whole bunch of impact watching. And that's been a big part of Ethan Page's case this year. But I have happened to catch some of it and a big part of it is well one i think ethan page he's always done this but he's been all over the place and i think finally just getting a little bit of that mainstream wrestling recognition with him and josh alexander being the being the tag being the tag champs and all that stuff and getting chances to go out there and and have and have good matches i think i think has been a really great help to a guy that's roots that's been a good a good wrestler 
for a very, very long time. For me, though, I think it comes down to the freelance title run where I think every month, every show, this guy was getting insane heat, making you want to see the baby, making you want to see the baby face win in culminated last weekend with him versus Kylie Ray in a two or three falls match where that was their third match of the year together and Kylie just coming back and free and Ethan Page doesn't get enough credit for how good of a base he is and in that match you really just get to see how perfect Ethan Page is for working in a setting like that getting to be this dickhead heel controlling and undermining and just doing underhanded stuff and bullying Kylie Ray and Ethan really using that side, really using that size to his advantage. The Ethan Page, the Ricky Shane Page match, I thought was, I thought was solid. The Isaiah Velasquez match from March was good. Eric Cannon, uh, and then he has other stuff that I wasn't that I wasn't really a fan of. The Brett Michael David stuff I didn't I didn't really enjoy. Hakeem Zayn I didn't really get this I didn't, really, didn't get much enjoyment out of. And then he had a triple threat with with Swaggle and Ricky Shane Page that again isn't much of a case maker for him. But he's strong enough in the most important moments, and the impact stuff is strong enough to make me put him on the list. And then Ethan Page is a guy that works all over the place. So IWC, Alpha One, Glory Pro, he's still going out there and working all over the place, Black Label Pro. So Ethan Page, I thought it was time to give him his just due, and he's a guy that's worked hard for a long time, and I think he very much earned a spot here. Yeah, definitely, and and that's a bone that's a boneheaded pick for me to miss him, honestly. Um, so, poor guy deserved a spot here. Uh, my number forty-seven. I don't think you'll have just because he had a rough year, but I think in the same vein as some of the people I'm talking about, one of the best wrestlers out there, just not having as many chances to show it off, is uh, Fred Yehai. Yeah, no Yehai for me. Yeah, and I can I can completely understand when you're going through people who have so much depth and, and so much, but Fred still delivered in every match just as good as he always can. He just doesn't have the same level of matches. I mean, he just doesn't have the same amount of matches. It's just nothing you can do there. His feud with, with Eric Royal kind of wrapped up in the beginning of the year from last year into this year um, in action was great. Um the match with uh, with AC Mack on the, the IWTV Family Reunion, fantastic. Um, you know, continues to have great matches in action all year. Shows up in, in Beyond a little bit here and there. Um, you know, match with uh, with uh, Chris Dickinson and then just recently tagging with, uh, with AC Mack. Um, good stuff there. So, yeah, I mean, just a guy who... If he had more matches, I think he'd probably make your list. He'd make most people's lists. He's just not out there that much anymore. Um, unfortunately, this year he really kind of got got toned back on how much he's really even out there, which is a, a real bummer because he's still just as good as ever, um, just to not getting a real chance to show it off as much. Yeah, like you, you know how much I love Fred and how highly I think of Fred. And the fact that I don't have him on there isn't something I like. I like that's happening right now i think fred is someone that absolutely should be in major wrestling companies and should be a focus and if he isn't your top star i get it but he should be a guy that's absolutely on your tv and a workhorse and all that stuff and you know i, I, I want to see the guy i want to see the guy get opportunities he's a nice guy he's a cool guy so hopefully in 2020 we do see someone realize fred's potential but it just scares me to think that someone as good as fred yehi might get lost in the cracks going into 2020 where 
all these companies are playing the talent acquisition game, but yet nobody wants Fred Yeh High, and it's really disheartening. Yeah. All right. Um. So my number forty-seven is Jacob Fatu. Oh, I did not make my list, but probably could have. Um. Yeah, but I know you've uh, you've been getting into him a little bit more here at the end of the year. So so let's hear it. Yeah. So Jacob Fatu for me. Maybe in the same vein as you picking Oswald Project and all that and all that stuff for to be on your list in the where you're looking towards towards the future, but Jacob is killing it right now. And honestly, in a lot of ways, he's become one of the bigger regional stars in wrestling. And you could say that well, he's signed to MLW, so MLW is that's not where he, no, that's not where he's from or anything, but. He's really put PCW Ultra and MLW sort of on the map in a lot of ways. And Tom Lawler and Loki did a lot of work there. But I think going into that next phase of MLW's existence where they have to create their own stars, Jacob Fatsu is a big part of this. And his in his and his rise and Contra and everything and the War Beast. Jacob Fatsu continues to get that act over. He's an incredible athlete, incredible dominant personality. And a guy that I can see being a legitimate star for years and years to come. And I don't think he's even come close to reaching his potential. He can be violent, can do the big spot fest with you, can be a, a great controlling heel tag team um, in his best, just fucking shit up and beating up smaller people like Darby Allen and AAW and just wild out of control brawls like he's had in PCW. And... He, he's he's great, PCW and Defy, really. He's been one of the defining gods of the Northwest. So, Jacob is someone that people have been talking about and buzzing about. Jacob isn't a new name. But all this success is new for him. So, looking at him really becoming a defining guy for the Northwest region, becoming, becoming really the first homegrown act for MLW, and him eventually probably becoming a marquee star in AAW, I think Jacob Fatsu is up for really big things, and 2019 was just the start of it. Yeah, definitely a guy who... 2020 is probably making most people's lists um, just because people are starting to recognize and see him. Um, my number 46, I think is right, is uh, Bear Country, the uh, the tag team. I don't think you'll have them. No, no, I would not. So you can yeah. go, ahead and sell, go ahead and sell me on this one. Yeah, I mean, they come out of kind of... They've had a couple matches here and there before, but 2019 was really the year that they broke out, especially on uh, uncharted territory on Beyond Wrestling, being realistically kind of the the undercard workhorses um, of the show, having big matches basically every week, becoming the most one of the most popular acts and one of the most talked about acts, um, just constantly delivering in basically every setting with like the who's who of just random teams being brought in like teams from beyond's history as they build their way up then you know so they build their way through kind of the beyond historical tag teams to make them uh kind of something and then they start bringing in kind of people from the outside to have bear country really be making them you know and making other people coming in and they do a great job of that um kind of start outs with like the stunt doubles um coming in after the bear country have basically ran through everybody who's who you know including team tremendous um who's like really the stereotypical kind of beyond tag team i think historically you think of beyond 
tag teams you think of probably Team Tremendous, EYFBO, and that's probably it when it comes to like quality. Then maybe like you think about the create Crusade for Change and just how much you hate them. Um, but uh, maybe but, maybe maybe Juicy Product a little bit. But yeah, like... I could see that for sure. Um, but so then after that, it's like now you guys got to start being the tag team and you got to start making teams bringing the stunt doubles they have a great match with them uh jimmy lloyd ktb in a, in a hardcore match that was kind of you know they're they're a brawling team but they're you know they're out of their element when it comes to something hardcore but they're really great in that they're super legit super believable they just bring an awesome kind of badass energy to anything and really feels like the tone changes you know the violence level comes up when they come out and start just wrecking people um Obviously, they were a part of the IWTV All-Stars versus Team Beyond match that was just uh, on Beyond Uncharted recently that was really, really great. So, you know, I mean, they were a big part of that team, and they looked fantastic there. Great match with C-Stars also, who almost made my list, um, but I just couldn't couldn't quite make it. But, yeah, I mean, just an awesome team. They need to get around a little bit more, but they're starting to. They're getting booked in a few places in Canada here and there. Um, so, hopefully, maybe they'll get a little bit more of that. They're getting some CZW shots here and there. Um, AIW, which feels like a place that they fit right in. So, so yeah, I think 2020, they, they get continue on this way. It's kind of tough with tag teams. You always worry if you know, one guy gets hurt, it really affects your ability to continue as a tag team. But uh, but I think that they're, they're a team that, like I said, they really developed and, and adapted to being used in a different setting. They start out, they get built up, and then now they're being used more to put people over. Not literally like losing to them, but in the sense that uh, that kind of they're bringing in people and then they wrestle Bear Country and you're hoping that Bear Country makes them seem legit in the crowd's eyes and it's working. Most of the time, at the end of the matches, the teams that Bear Country wrestle are better for, for having wrestled them as opposed to just like, uh, you know, getting squashed and, and destroyed. So pretty cool in that regard too. Um... So for me, at forty-seven, uh, no, it's forty-six, isn't it? Forty-six, yeah. Yeah. So for me at forty-six, I was someone that I didn't really expect to make my list, but then I as I went through their year and the sort of volume they had, I realized just how good they've been, and maybe now we can have like a little bit of a bigger discussion about how we maybe looked over this person has been. But I have Flamita. Oh, nice. Um, wow. Would not expect that because he's. Uh, I think you like Flamita actually, but yeah, I didn't get him this year. Huh? No, no, I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy Flamita, but a lot of it is we just go through his cage match. The guy had ridiculous volume this year. He was working every. He was working everywhere. The Crash, AAA, MLW, everywhere. Other other Mexican Indies, Rev Pro, Impact, Lucha MMS, uh, everywhere, and. You know what you're getting out of a Flamita match. So if you're like, okay, well, I'm not particularly interested in it. I get it. But Flamita still delivered a very solid match every single time out. You know what Lucha Brothers versus Mexican Blood is going to look like. But you know what? It's a really it's a really damn fun match. You know what I mean? You know what Flamita and Bandito versus Villain Enterprise is going to look like. But it's, a really, but it's a really fun match. And I think enjoying Flamita for what he is instead of wishing instead of wishing for him to be these other more death filled things is a little bit unrealistic at this point. I think I think I think I think Flamita is who he is. And he's still a fantastic flyer, still really smooth. He he showed actually a little bit of brawling this year in a hardcore in a hardcore match from 
one of the Lucha Indie spots he did this year. Can't remember the guy of the can't remember the name of the guy that he wrestled, but even 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 delved into that a little bit. Wrestling Echicero and Virus and delving in a little bit into the mat work. Working a great sprint with Jonathan Gresham at the World Tag Team Festival. So he has the tag work. He has the single stuff. He has the multi man stuff. Has the six man matches like in Dragon Gate, obviously. And he's a guy with just insane volume. And if you don't like Flamita's style or you just gotten tired of Flamita, I get it. But he's a guy that literally from the start of the year to the end, this guy has had his foot on the pedal the entire time and is just delivering every time out. Yeah, definitely. And when I talked about the you know people not really getting a chance to uh, kind of show up everywhere, uh, he's one of the few who did kind of get a chance to kind of work around a little bit more. Even uh, got a, a Dragon Gate shots in there um, in the middle of the year. So, yeah, I mean, definitely a good one. Um, hopefully, unfortunately, a lot of the people I'm talking about are positives moving forward. Unfortunately, he just signed with ROH, so we may not be talking about him again for at least you know, another you know couple what sucks, years. Man, it's like it's crazy that Flamita kind of got skipped over the way he did when you look at what his buzz was just like four years ago. And it's not really Flamita's fault. I don't know why no one ever signed him, but Flamita's only 25 years old. So that puts in perspective how long Flamita has been an elite wrestler. Just looking at how long he's been in the consciousness and how long he's been in the public and how long he's been someone that everyone is pretty regularly aware of. And the dude's only 25 years old. And, yeah, I don't know how long this Ring of Honor deal is. My, I think it's I think it's a one-year thing. But, yeah, this is absolutely a guy that it still shocks me. Just like Fred Yehi, how no one has taken advantage of him. Even if he's not going to be a marquee guy for you, he just, he's, a use, he's a valuable guy to have on the roster. Yeah, real great utility guy and a, and a, and a guy who should, should be making lists. Didn't make mine, unfortunately, but... Uh... Again, that part of that's Lucha, just not following Lucha. Years where he's been more active in Japan and in America, he's been on you know on my list or, or in Europe and stuff, um, but not this year. Um, my forty-five is a guy who similarly got around a lot and killed it in a really similar vein, constantly having basically the same match, but every time doing shit that's just so nutty that you you can't fucking believe it is Alex Zane. Alex Zane, ah, oh man, I should have had him. That's that's oversight on my list. I should have had him. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, Alex Zane, he's going to pop up onto your random show with probably with Christian Blake, you know, and maybe some other randoms, and just fucking kill it in some nutty spot fest, right? But he can also do stuff like the backyard wrestling match with Tony Deppin and the rematch with... Um, with Daniel Makabe in three to one battle where it's not, that's not just it. There can also be story and depth to it, but that's not really what you're bringing him in for. So when you talk about Flamita being able to bring a little bit different stuff with brawling when he, when he needs to, Alex Zane can do a storytelling match. Alex Zane can sell his ass off. I mean, really a great fucking underdog babyface seller. Um, you know, he can, he can wrestle, he can strike, but when it comes down to it, what you're bringing him in is to do standing six thirties. I mean, fuck diving 630 to the floor the, the shit that he does is wild um that was the one thing i mean the the kind of running in ring standing 630 i saw that shit live in person it happened right in front of me and i did not believe that it was real i was like was that a deep fake i think that someone just did fucking cgi in front of my eyes in the ring here um just the guy is insane and 
Now he pops up and he's in China, or I guess OWE is not in China anymore. So he pops up and he's showing up in Japan and killing it there. And it's only a matter of time before he gets signed. Obviously, uh, Shima's gonna love this guy instantly, and Shima's got the ear of AEW. So hopefully, 2020 is the year where we see him on TV, basically. But I mean, yeah, the guy is just fucking insane this year um, with just the um, the amount of matches he's having and the quality every time he does something that makes your draw drop I just there's not a lot of guys who can pull that off historically you got like you know Hayabusa Sabu those are the guys that you think about where they they just light up all the territories doing shit that's just so wild that like no one's ever seen it before and uh, Alex Zane is kind of this generation's version of that like he comes out there and he does stuff that's just you never fucking imagined you didn't think is possible I still he does stuff that I still kind of don't think is possible yeah, Alex Zane is like a like a walking magic trick. You just watch him do that, and you're like, oh, like nah, like nah. You rewind it a couple of times, like nah, he didn't do that. And it's like, yeah, he he totally did do a six thirty, jumping out of the ring to the floor, like nothing, like, and just did it completely smoothly, like he's done it a million times. And yeah, Alex Zane has been awesome. Oversight on my list, I could have dropped somebody and put Alex Zane on there. But I'm glad that you had him. Yeah. All right. Next for me, I have Mark Davis. Oh, uh, he was a very late cut this year, honestly. And, yeah, would have probably been right in this range. But just didn't quite. And I think it's partially just because I'm looking at it and I'm like, he had a partial year. I mean, he got injured in the summer and he's been out ever since. So, yeah. Or I guess late summer. Maybe fall. Yeah, um, I think he got hurt in like what, like end of August, maybe like September. It was PWG, but, um, so it was it was early September. It was at Bola. Yeah, um, Mark, uh, we we had concerns about Mark Davis turning heel when it first happened, and it was very valid as we saw quickly Kyle Fletcher took to it, and Mark Davis still felt like he was trying to figure out this heel thing, and very quickly did Mark Davis prove us wrong. I think I think I think that's the big thing here is, um, the guy really, really thrived doing this, and he figured it out, and he was great, learning how to implement his size in effective moments when he's in there with a smaller opponent, but then also learning also being a great stooge guy and just selling really well, and that was always a good quality of 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 Mark, but him developing into such a good seller while being a heel and making people look so strong and then effectively turning that into heel heat is something that I was not expecting from the guy. And Aussie Open, for as much of a disappointment as I think they were because they, I mean, really, they didn't, they didn't have anything to work with. They still they still have decent stuff getting to work with the Work Horsemen, um, Violent Violence is Forever, Legion, Legion of Rot, all that stuff. So they have good stuff that happened. It just isn't the... It just isn't as much as you would as you would hope for. Yeah. So last year, I would say that their kind of resume of matches for Aussie Open was like op- oppressive. It was like so much that it was kind of like intimidating. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like really getting beat into submission with how many really good matches they had there, and it just it just wasn't the same. But you look at his run in Fight Club Pro, the match with Walter to kick off the year. The title win off of versus Micah Satomura is one of my favorite matches of the year. And I didn't expect that going into it, but it's fantastic. 
and Mark and Michael Sotomayor is obviously great in it. Great in it, and we'll talk more about her when she gets to the, when she gets gets brought up on my list. But Mark Davis is phenomenal in it, using his size, and then seamlessly when Michael gets the advantage and busts him open in it, Mark Davis is selling incredibly in it. And when he finally beats Michael, it it I mean he wins it with his finish. But it's not extremely definitive because it feels like Mark Davis just escaped with the skin of his teeth. It doesn't feel like he just put his put he put his foot on Michael's chest and established that he is the best wrestler in Fight Club Pro now. It was a guy that has talent, but also was still getting the shit kicked out of him. And Mark Davis told that line really well. Other suffers as Pentagon and Jeff Cobb, Ricky Ricky Shane Page, and Eddie Kingston and Mick. It just really getting to getting the hang of this thing and one match that i'm forgetting is the swords of essex versus aussie open tag in progress and the big tlc match they had that really i mean it's it's more the osprey show i'll admit it is one of us probably osprey's best performance of the year in my opinion but mark davis being the being the big bad big brother of Kyle Fletcher in that match and Kyle Fletcher who gets routinely isolated and Mark Davis comes in and just fucks up the entire game plan for Swords of Essex. Mark Davis was great in that. So even with a shortened year, even with Aussie Open not being as potent as they were in twenty nineteen, Mark still has one of my has two of my favorite matches of the year. And I think that says a lot about the capabilities of Mark Davis. And hopefully twenty twenty we see we see more of it. Aussie Open gets back on track. Maybe they get those New Japan bookings, but even with limited space, Mark Davis still provided me some of the most memorable matches of the year. Yeah, definitely was like I said a last minute cut for me, and a lot of what you just talked about was why he was a debatable for me uh, for a long time that I wanted to get him on there. Um, my uh, number forty four. I think I think you won't have him. I think that you could. But you, I think you would have already sat him by now if you do. I can't imagine you'd have him much higher than this. Uh, 44 for me this year is the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson. Yeah, I can I consider Chris, but he didn't yeah. he, he didn't make my cut. I know that it was a strong year for him, for you. Like, you were more into him this year than you have been in previous years. So I thought there's a chance. Um, oh, no, no, oh, no, no. My, my thing is... I thought I, I I've always liked Dickinson. So when everyone was like, "Oh my God, Chris Dickinson, he's like so good now," I was like, "Really? Like this? Chris Dickinson's been around for a while doing the same thing here. I think just because now the talent pool in, in the U.S. Indies is so shallow right now, it just it just Chris Dickinson stands out more. But I've always liked Dickinson. Yeah, and and I have too. This was just a good year for him. On top of getting a lot more opportunities to have high-profile singles matches. He also was, you know, didn't have the Doom Patrol tag team anymore. Not that that was bad, but, you know, he was just wrestling more singles and getting to show that off more often. So I think that's why he stood out to a lot more people. Um, Big-time, you know, big-time star on Beyond Wrestling for the Uncharted Territory, which has made made the case for a few people this year, honestly, um, just because weekly TV and and getting to show off. But he was kind of like the TV champion, U.S. champion, and then also kind of like the Hulk Hogan world champion at times for them, um, that he would always be on the TV, always having big uh, showcase matches. Um, and really delivering every time. You know, he's not having five-star classes he's not kenny omega but uh you know he's uh he's definitely always delivering a really good chris dickinson match violent brawls aggressive you know he's just he kind of wrestles like yeah like jacked up on the gas uh low-key or or 
Davy Richards, everybody knows that, but it's kind of cool seeing it from a guy his size, just because it seems just so much more aggressive, and he comes across legitimately unhinged at times, and, and violent, and scary, and and just, you know, like, he could do something fucking crazy, and so it, it definitely makes his stuff interesting. He's also got a cool kind of party boy attitude vibe that makes him endearing to the fans, which works especially in the Beyond setting um, as a top babyface there, because... He can be violent and kick ass, but also he can be fun and joke around and, you know, be part of Team Pazuzu. And, and, and the crowd really eats that stuff up, so it really works for him, where he's constantly, you know, really feels like a, a big star to them. Um, you know, he's on the, the, the show of the year in the Blackcraft show where they kill a guy, uh, <laughs> having, a, having a match with Masato Tanaka that kicks ass. So got to give him some credit for that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, really good stuff pretty much the whole year the Daisuke Sakamoto match I think that people probably expected it to be a lot worse than it was I I, I thought it was pretty damn good honestly um Dan Moff match and GCW was fucking awesome like a lot of really cool shit this year Tom Lawler match Josh Alexander match like Steve Eric Stevens match like he just kept having really good matches on beyond on, on uh, you know so that just really helped a lot in in his case just every week going out there and delivering um chris stantlander match and gcw was great um you know so yeah just really really good all around this year for for chris dickinson and really got to show off and like i said you know i've always been a guy that i've liked i've always in, appreciated him i've always been someone who really liked him and, and it wasn't one of these you know chris dickinson haters but he got a real good chance this year to show off and he and he he took the ball and ran with it yeah more than any year chris dickinson has gotten to really feel like he's one of the guys even in beyond in previous points there was always stuff like David Starr being there, or Busick being there, or Dijak being there, or Janela being there. Like, that took away from how important I think Dickinson really was to Beyond. And the fact that Dickinson has stuck around, and it has been such a, it was such a focus of that first season of Uncharted Territory. It really shows you why he was so valuable, because he's, he's a guy that does offer so much just in terms of personality, and he's a guaranteed good match. He's not going to knock it out of the park for you every single time, but he's a good match. There's rarely a time where I've watched Chris Dickinson and I'm like, oh man, he really stunk it up. I've never watched Chris Dickinson and said that. And no, The thing about Dickinson is if he's having a bad match, he just goes fucking crazy and starts stiffing people. So like, then it gets right. exciting and interesting. Like, <laughs> you know, he doesn't let himself have bad matches. Um, Moving on for me, I have Casey. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I uh, did not make my list, but yeah. KZ, one of three Dragon Gate guys. Well, I guess four technically. One of the one of I guess one of four Dragon Gate guys that made my list this year. And I had a little I had a little bit of trouble putting him above uh another Dragon Gate guy that I had that I put on my list. But I think KZ is a little bit more limited, or shown to be a little bit more limited than the guy that I'm talking about that's above him. I think my main issue with Casey is like he's a incredible baby face. He's really he's really he's really great. I enjoy natural vibes and I enjoy whether it's singles matches, tag matches, trios matches. Casey is out there and he's been a highlight of Dragon Gate for about two years now and this year is nothing different. Right let this year he has the pack match, which is really fantastic. Something that I want to rewatch when match of the year stuff is rolling around. Shun Sky with the Shun Skywalker match, the, Mo- Mochi- the Mochizuki match, other various things from King of Gate, 
other other ta- other tag matches he's a part of. He is a constant bright spot in the company. And with Dragon Gate, sometimes it is hard to separate who you think who you think is this much better or so much more vital to a match being good and all that stuff. But KZ's charisma, I think, is what separates him here. Where KZ for years was such a just a really likable figure. KZ now carries himself in a way where he is one of the biggest stars in Dragon Gate. And you can say that, yeah, he's sort of the new age Chazawa, but that's not a bad thing because routinely that, that's the guy that goes out there and the crowd is always behind him and you know that you're going to get a fully invested crowd whenever you give KZ something to sink his teeth into. And that was the case this year in 2019. And in 2020, I would like to see KZ win the Dreamgate. I know that Ben K is a project right now, but I think KZ has been so good as a reliable underdog babyface. Even if for a little bit, I would I would like to see KZ get the belt. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, all all correct <laughs> statements there. Uh, Forty three. Don't think you'll have Brett Ison. No, I don't have Brett. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, just you know, badass, kick ass champion in SUP, um, primarily. And that goes a long way for me. The 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 aura, the violence, the aggression, the hard hitting. Um, just in that building, you know, I've you know a lot of people have talked about that it just doesn't translate to other buildings, and it kind of doesn't. But in SUP, he is the world beater. He is the king, badass of all badasses, um, who's just fucking scary and violent. And I guess it works. It's the it's the basement East, right? Because then he shows up in GCW, and he's now the the biggest fucking insane baby face the crowd loves him um so i think it's just that building loves him he's just got something there uh drops the title to to ac mac and from there i won't say flounders but it's kind of tough he just he he's getting around more he's getting booked other places but it's it's really tough to live up to that same kind of vibe and we'll see if he eventually is able to like adjust and, and is, is starts to kind of bring something different uh to you know places outside of sup um and kind of recapture what made him special there in other settings um unfortunately he just hasn't seemed to do that quite yet other than like i said that one gcw appearance and then um there was another match that i really liked that wasn't in sup oh the tom lawler uh match in, in black label pro i thought was really good um so so yeah i mean i think that he can get there um just yeah consummate badass uh, the Alley Cat match, probably his best match of the year. Um, just fucking amazing. Um, really, really great stuff. So, so yeah, just a guy who, for me, just the aura, the presence, the violent nature of his matches uh, really kind of puts him over the top for me. All right. I, at, at 42, I have Brock Lesnar. Ooh, no, did not make uh, my list, unfortunately. <laughs> so... Um, you know, obviously, like, it's Brock, so it's very limited, but, man, I, I enjoyed him a lot, man, I enjoyed him, not in, like, the way of, like, people laughing and thinking it was funny when Brock Lesnar won Money in the Bank, and he's out there dancing with the briefcase, like, not that, but the Rollins stuff, his performances in those matches, I thought were really awesome, he was great in the Finn Balor match, selling his, selling his stomach, the Cain Velasquez match, for what it was, I thought I thought they I thought he did a really good job with that and really selling the fact that Cain Velasquez has his number, and the in the Rey Mysterio in the Rey Mysterio match, you know it's 
you know, it's a, it's a match that's 15 years too late from what it could have been at its peak, but they still find a ways to make it exciting, and Brock sells really well, and that was something that I had a problem with last year when it came to Brock, because I feel like oftentimes he would not let himself look look as vulnerable or look like he was being look like he was in as much trouble, and that I felt like oftentimes he wasn't like being as giving when it came to making the match work. And this year, I don't have that problem with Brock because when he doesn't have that problem, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I think this year was just a little a little bit of that. And I just I can't have him higher than than where I did. But yeah, man, I I really I really enjoyed Brock this year for what he gave us. Well, what is Brock Lesnar but the the best possible Brett Eisen? Really, I mean, it's like we have the same guy. Yeah. Same <laughs> um. Well, my number forty two. Maybe? No, I don't think so. Shotzi Blackheart? No, yeah, I didn't think so. Um, nah. Really became like the heart and soul of the indies in this in this year in a lot of ways. She's, one of the again, one of the few people who got to get around a lot more, um, wrestling everywhere. Um, I've seen her a ton, you know, here in L.A., obviously live a bunch, but I think that 2019 was a, was a year where she – yeah, like got out more, got a lot more places, got to really show off. She's really great underdog seller, hot, you know, comebacks and, and fiery kind of comebacks um, that crowds get really invested in. Super big personality, um, can really fit in any setting. She can she can definitely grapple in technical wrestling. I don't think that she shows it off as much as, you know, she can. She can also do some, you know, fast-paced, all-over-the-place kind of stuff. And... Uh, and like I said, she can brawl. She can fight around the building. It's always it's engaging. Like I said, she's really emotional seller. Um, so yeah, I mean, she just had a kick-ass year this year, getting to basically wrestle everywhere. And then eventually, you know, she starts showing up in WWN land and gets signed to WWE. So she's off the indies now officially. But she had a, a really full year with a lot of matches. Like I said, everywhere. Um, so you know, again, she had a pretty cool cool feud and evolve with brandy lauren that has some like badass no dq matches and just wild fights um brawling and like i said all over the place she's good matches in in bar wrestling to dashwood she had a really great match with which i think that people overlook um that Tennille is still a, a good wrestler <laughs> just because it's i guess it's kind of a meme to pick on her it feels like at this point but she was like one of the good wrestlers um you know great stuff throughout uh throughout shimmer um really like the match with with dust and shimmer um so yeah i mean just kind of got all over the place really no matter where she is that she gets over the crowd loves her um her matches are always engaging and exciting um oh pizza party pizza cat she shows up and wrestles a fidian and, and shows off in there um so yeah just, just someone who's like not like a top draw but definitely always interesting intriguing and definitely always gets the crowd into her matches so like someone who just can get all over the place great personality and people love her so it's like you know a good person to have on your on your shows yeah Shotzi's Shotzi's always Shotzi's always really fun to have and I just didn't I, I didn't see enough of her this year really I didn't watch I saw the one big Brandy Lauren match that people had that gif of that was going up that was going around the place but other than that I didn't really get to see too much of Shotzi so that's my fault. That's my fault on that end. So, next for me, I have oh, nice. yeah, I mean, Terry Thatcher. Probably should have made my list, 
but uh, he's a, he's an oversaw. No, I just an oversaw. He, oh, he, did, he didn't make your list. He should be on here, and I just didn't think about him when I was making the list, unfortunately. Yeah, man, Terry is Terry. Terry's awesome, man. Terry is like you're going through the the year for OTT, and obviously, like. And obviously, like Devlin and Star are the guys you think of when you think of OTT MVPs of 2019. But man, Terry Thatcher from the David Star match early early in the year on a on a contenders uh, to Scotty Davis on Belfast, the Haskins stuff that we get, the um. The match with Eddie, the match with Eddie Kingston on the fifth anniversary, the match with Timothy Thatcher, he's a guy that in his opportunities, the guy certainly made the most of them every single time. So again, he's not he's not a guy that he's not the darling, he's not Scotty, he is not the more than hype guys. But Terry is really great, man, and I'm not sure what the next step for him would be. Hopefully, I would love to see him get an OTT title shot in 2020, but. For what Terry was given in 2019, he made the most of it every time. Fantastic baby face, really emotive, really fiery. It feels all genuine. He makes things feel like a struggle. He's so damn likable, and Ter- Terry's a great man, and really one of my favorite wrestlers in the world right now. And I would love to see, them, see him get some get to do some more yeah, stuff. Was a major oversight on my part, unfortunately, missing Terry Thatcher. Um, should be on my list here. Um, my 41... Maybe you have one of these guys. Um, maybe you have both. I don't know, but I got the strays with rabies. Nah, neither the, neither of them got on, got on here this, yeah, this year. That was more of a twenty twenty thing for me. Probably going to be guys individually in twenty twenty um, for them. But I'm going to say I cheat a little bit here because I'm counting a little bit their matches against each other as well as as a tag team. But it feels like it's still the same unit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just give that the kind of the. The, the little fudging of the of the rules here, um, just because I couldn't I couldn't really bring myself to give either guy a spot, but I really do think that they deserve it as a team. Um, their work in, in without a cause whack um, has been great. They're really to me are the kind of the stars of the promotion, or at least the the, the kind of the local flavor of the promotion, the the homegrown stars of the promotion. It's like they got Chris Bay as the champion, Hammerstone as a pretty solid kind of guy. You even got, you know, Dan Makabe who feels like an elder statesman of the company. Um, but, uh, you know, he's like the, the grumpy vet that they bring in, but he doesn't feel connected to it as much as the strays feel like they're the heart and soul of the company. They're, you know, they're, they're Tommy dreamer in ECW kind of They're They're the, you know, mid card, upper mid card, a little bit zany, but definitely still, you know, believable and violent. They do funny skits. They have a good time, and they have some pretty kick-ass matches throughout. You know, pretty much every whack show, they're on there and they're having a, a badass tag team match. Um, not, I won't say a huge fan of the idea of them turning heel, but I will say that the the last match that I saw, I haven't seen the most recent match um, with them where they're pure heel, but the, the, the two out of three falls match with four minutes of heat, where, which is really the heel turn. Um, even though, like I said, I, I don't know if I'm like a big fan of them turning heel personally. Uh, I thought that the way that they did it was genius and they worked the match, turning them heel in a way that was really cool. It had like callbacks and, and references and the kind of stuff that I think that you really, you know, sink your teeth into with, 
kind of like it just felt like they subtly turned heel as they like they they did things that were like oh you know that's normal for the strays to be kind of underhanded especially against guys who are cheating and then eventually they they cross the line and go overboard to where it's not just you know playful strays type spots it's real heels kind of being underhanded so so i definitely really appreciated that um and you know, then they've got they've got matches in three to one battle as a team, um, not just kind of the current that they're they're both in the G zero, but the, as a tag team, they had some really good matches in three to one battle this year. Um, uh, four minutes of heat again, a team that they have great chemistry with, so so they had a good match with them um, in three to one battle, and then also uh, mint conditioning, great match with them as well in three to one battle. Um, so yeah, I mean, guys, like you said, they're definitely twenty twenty. I see both these guys making the list on their own. Um, but 2019, I think, as a tag team, and then maybe throw in kind of their feud in, in ECCW against each other, including that death match, I think that they definitely uh, deserve this spot on the list for me. Yeah, like I said, like, we've talked about them. I'm We're really high on both of these guys. So I didn't get to see as much of the whack stuff that you saw, but everything I saw from Defy, 321, and the little bit of whack stuff I saw, obviously these guys are great. And the guys that have really bright futures 2020 obviously would be a prime year for them but right but right now i just couldn't really justify them on my list personally all right so 41 for me is shoot skywalker like I'm, I was thinking about it and then he was and i mentioned you know no nxt but i kind of didn't know dragon gate either um, that was less of a foot down, but he was one of the like, oh, maybe I will put Shun, but then I was kind of like, I feel weird having just one Dragon Gate guy, so just didn't just skipped him. Yeah, man, Shun Skywalker. For he's he's a guy that really is in that sort of El Generico vein of making something that's really stupid looking just work, where. Shun, like the original Shun, Shun Skywalker get up was so fucking terrible but you watch him and he's very clearly a really awesome wrestler and even now I still think his mask sucks so I still think the gear sucks I still think all of that is bad but he overcomes that just through straight up being a fantastic wrestler and being one of the best flyers in the world and he's the be- one of the best flyers in a way that's sort of unique nowadays because it's not like he does very pretty flying he does stuff that looks very effective and mean and nasty and looks like it hurts and that's the separation with shun from other from other people that are doing that are that are working a similar aerial style like him and you know like i said with, with dragon gate guys there's always going to be a lot of trios tags and singles scattered all throughout the year but i think for me I've enjoyed Shun's individual performances more in these matches. I liked Shun's individual performance in his pack match more than I like Casey's in his pack match. I thought I thought Shun's performance. I really liked both of them in their Kobe World match together, but I thought Shun was a little bit more impressive. I thought Shun had that really awesome match with Masato Yoshino and Kurokin that gave him a little bit of the of a one up here. And even another one in Kurokin against Benkei before Benkei turned face and became the top guy in the company, where it really establishes that Shun is someone that they do believe in as a future guy. Maybe not right this second, but eventually Shun is going to be a marquee player for them. 
And as a, in, individually in a lot of these matches, I think Shun has just been the guy that stepped up and really, really delivered in every spot. Uh, Shun versus Kaito Ishida. Another one, another another one of those matches where I, I may I might not have liked the match as a whole as much as some other people might have, but Shun is so great in it. Great baby face, very fiery, very emotive, very emotive under his mask. It's super. It's a super impressive thing. He's actually an underrated striker. His big boot looks incredible, and he's gonna he, like yeah, he gets the rep as the flying guy, which you know he's Skywalker. That's what's gonna happen. But he's a way better overall wrestler than I think he's gotten credit for and I think he's 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 another guy where I'm just really looking forward to see what the future holds for him because as Shu Watanabe he was he was good he was a good young lion he was very clearly the one of the more athletic young lions of that class but you know I think he was clearly getting lost in the shuffle there but the Shu and Skywalker thing eventually works and I don't know what the ceiling is for him. Yeah, I think he really does have potential. To see here. if they ever take like go with taking the mask off of him or what, because it really this character and this gimmick really works. And I think that I mean for me, he's the guy in Dragon Gate should be going with right now. But that is not the case, unfortunately. Um, all right, I'm hitting a pocket of guys that I think you might have higher, but we'll see. Um, yeah, it's interesting. We have we've had no um, crossover so far. Forty for yet. me is AJ Gray. Okay. I have AJ Gray a little bit higher. Okay. So my number 40, maybe you have higher. Oh, my fuck. number 40 yeah, is Zack Sabre Jr. Higher. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, look, <laughs> for this podcast, for me to have Zack Sabre it. Jr. so low, you know. So I, so I don't know how much higher. Enough yeah, so to I don't know how much higher you have, Zach. Tonight, about <laughs> yeah. Oh, huh, okay. Um, my 39 is Tom So what's your 39 Warren. then? What? And Filthy Tom did not make my list You just did an MLW catch up? Actually, actually, hold on. (laughs) Executive decision here. I am taking Tom... I'm putting Tom Lawler on my list in place of this... In place of Phoenix, who I just saw do something terrible. (laughs) All right, so... Yeah, so Tom Lawler and Phoenix is higher or... A little higher, okay. A little bit higher. We'll we'll talk about him in a little... Yeah. All right. So my number thirty nine uh, is Noya Nomura. Was a very late cut, um, and probably should just be on my list, honestly. But uh, but yeah. Two awesome matches with Kento Miyahara for the Triple Crown title. I really in, I really enjoyed his run in the Champions Carnival. I like the tag. I like the tag team with Jake Lee, and I think they have potential to be really great. I think they they both have intensity that I wish they would tap into a little bit more. Um, but him and Jake Lee are both very capable wrestlers that I believe that I believe in. I think I believe in. I think that can be really good guys. Uh, even the spot the spot that he showed up in the the Rio Goku time show for Big Japan. I liked the, I liked the Kikuda and Kawakami match a lot that they had. He's fun. He's fun in the Royal Road. I liked. I like his stuff versus. I like the match versus Zeus, and man, I just. I just. I just. He's another one of those guys where I just really like watching him. Man, he doesn't have a lot of matches that are on my match of the year tracker, but 
just as far as watching someone and all of these shows and watching their progression and looking out to see any improvement for any any improvement as time goes on for them and he's a guy where I continually kept seeing improvement to the point where I believe that he's probably the, the he's probably the defining baby face that should be wrestling the title away from Kenta. I mean wrestling the title away from Kenta. Where you have Zeus that is sort of the generational guy for Kento. They it was it was like when in twenty sixteen it was gonna be a choice of who's gonna be our guy. Is it gonna be Kento or is it gonna be Zeus? And they chose Kento, so those two are forever gonna be linked. And Noya and Jake Lee are were sort of on the outside looking in at that point. But I think now Noya has to me proven that I think he is the guy that is gonna be like the big baby face that eventually rises up, sort of the kibashi of the group, if you will. And, I mean, he has that kind of fire. He has that kind of energy. He has that kind of big, jockish feel to him. And Nomura is just a absolute pleasure to watch. And and I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what the 2020 holds for him. Like, for a lot of these guys, I think when we're looking into 2020, we don't know exactly what this means for them. But... You know he's he's not he's not Zeus he's not Jake Lee, but I could see Nomura getting a chance and maybe getting a short title run. I don't know, but he's a guy that I absolutely think could do it, and the crowd would and the crowd would believe in it. I and mean, he's not a guy that I think will flop. Yeah, getting a chance yeah, to run with I the think belt. That I kind of want to see that big time run from him, and then we'll uh, then I'll probably have him on my list. But uh, but he has had phenomenal performances. So. Uh, fantastic guy and like i said a real late cut probably like number 52 or 53 on my list really um you might have my 38 a little bit higher cabana band dan i can definitely see where you're coming from but i also think isn't he probably in your u.s indie match of the year not you know that's not a huge thing to say but but uh yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah, far so off. I mean, he's, he's he's very much in the conversation. Just one of the best baby faces in the world, really. I mean, underdog selling, fiery comebacks, huge, you know, chops like the the flip flop chops, but huge kind of like big moves, big crowd pleasing action kind of wrestler. Um, so yeah, I mean, the tag team with uh with Marco Stunt, they might be giants delivering just this amazing you know, bloody feud with uh, violence is forever that culminates in this just fucking insane match um, but yeah I mean he's also you know he's the new south champion so the, the, that's a company like he really fills the role as like the big ace of the company champion type guy so he can do it all he can be the, the tag team he's I mean obviously it's very obvious in his style that he's you know, in some ways, a tribute to Ricky Steamboat, but he pulls it off. He really does. It's kind of a little bit smaller Ricky Steamboat kind of character. Um, so he can be the NWA champion, but he can also be the you know underdog selling babyface uh, in a tag team. Um, he can also be the the veteran of the tag team. So really, a guy who can do it all, does it all super well. I mean, you never see him out of place. He's always super smooth wrestling, no matter who he's wrestling. Um, be it you know someone who's been wrestling for 15 years or someone who's been wrestling for a couple weeks he can make everybody look good really puts together super fluid easy to follow and understand and enjoy matches um lots of personality and just yeah i mean leaps off the page pizza party wrestling has the dream match kind of dream match setup 
situation with KTB and really delivers there. I mean, so yeah, like I said, I mean, just fantastic matches all all across the board, but but has a few real big kind of standouts in that that tag team match and the the match with KTB, um, match with Gary J and Sup that was fantastic as well. So a lot of lot of really good stuff from from Cabana Man Dan um, and just I mean all around just really 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 you know fun easy to watch kind of guy that 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 uh, everyone can just like totally get into if you like wrestling you're gonna like someone like Havana Man Dan honestly I mean that's just kind of how I look at him you know Dan, Dan's awesome like I said like anything like me not having him on there wasn't an indictment on his skill level or how much I like him I just didn't get the, I just didn't see enough of the other of the other stuff to really be able to justify me having him on my on my list but I, I love him so I'm glad that he found, he found his way onto yours alright so my number 38 is someone that you're not gonna have but in a shock Baby. I have Adam Cole yeah <laughs> I was waiting for it um Adam Cole's a good wrestler like if like if you're looking for the people that hate Adam Cole or thought or don't think Adam Cole is good that's not the people we are we we both have liked Adam Cole for a while we can admit that Adam Cole was coasting and lazy for a while but we like Adam Cole so when he gets the NXT title and is getting put in prominent positions in NXT title matches are they always landing for me no I don't like the first Gargano versus Cole I didn't see the third Gargano versus Cole because that's I don't have any interest in seeing them, those two nearly go nearly an hour long. But the second Gargano Cole from NXT Takeover Twenty Five is fantastic and is one of my favorite WWE matches of the year. It is awesome and both guys are great selling in it. And there's a lot of neat, cool, and creative stuff in that match that I like a lot. That I think is way more justified doing in their second match than in their first match where they presented it as like this big time blow off to a feud where we all know the real story is Adam Cole was filling in for for injured Tommaso Ciampa. So it just didn't feel genuine for me. It didn't hit for me. Um, other than that, he has other scattered good stuff like the Tazawa match from the 10th anniversary Evolve show. You're doing stuff with... Um, Keep doing stuff with Keith Lee and Riddle on NXT TV. I like the Ace. I like the ACH NXT NXT mat NXT title match that we got, and then we get him going up on the on the main roster and to do some stuff. The Rollins match was whatever, but that Daniel Bryan match is fantastic. Those two go out for twenty minutes and just kill it. And it's sort of Cole actually playing babyface as Daniel Bryan is in control and talking shit to him and controlling him the entire match and Adam Cole gets to actually play babyface a little bit and then in a big shock for me Adam Cole and Pete Dunne on Survivor Series and it's actually a really good match and I've had my frustrations with both of these guys at, at, pre- at previous points more so with Dunne than with Adam Cole and really because this match is 14 minutes and just they don't have enough time to go into their worst into their worst qualities they deliver a really good match that's focused and mean and has good limb work and nutty spots and they get a crowd on their side that could not have given a fuck less about when they came, about when those guys came out for survivor series and both of those guys are gonna feather in their cap for that but 
Adam Cole, uh, that was a big clincher for him being able to get a spot on my list. And again, it's a surprise, but I like Adam Cole and I uh, go through and look at look at his year and it's like, oh shit, he was yeah, actually I mean, he's, pretty good this year. He's a guy that I thought about. He was one of the people that was like a, well, if I'm going to cut NXT, I'm going to cut him kind of guy because I did the research too. I looked it up. He had some kick-ass stuff. Like he had a really great match with Ricochet this year that was early in the year that I had mm-hmm. forgot about until I was kind of... Yeah, the, yeah, that Rick, that Ricochet match is good. Like, yeah, yeah, he he's a good wrestler, man. Like it's, it's 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 hard. Like even the Fatal Five way to the for the number one contendership, um, going into NXT Takeover New York, really, really, really solid match. And again, I I understand that Adam Cole isn't everybody's thing. Shit, from what I'm seeing going through my timeline right now, people are really praising this Finn Balor. Cole match, and I don't know if it's going to be as good as people are making it out to be, but if that's good, it doesn't shock me, because those two are good wrestlers, and Adam Cole just hasn't been working at a hard level for uh, for the last couple of years at this point. He was he was clearly a guy that it felt like he was preserving himself for when he was finally getting those big opportunities. He was preserving his ideas and all that stuff for when he could finally bust all that stuff out, because Adam Cole is a very creative wrestler. If you've kept up with Adam Cole's career, you know that he has some very creative spots in gimmick or blow-off match settings. So the Gargano stuff, while it may be too big-time, epic, and melodramatic for some people, I know that Adam Cole is a creative enough guy to make that stuff work. And I think now Adam Cole is finally getting to do what he thought he should have been doing a long time ago, which is being the main attraction in a WWE brand. And that's probably true not only that like it's what he thinks he deserves but it might be what he actually does deserve um and he's finally getting to show that off um all right maybe you'll have this guy a little bit higher i'm not sure but probably not uh o'shea edwards okay o'shea big yeah, no O'Shea for me. i mean he's just awesome fucking in-ring incredible believable badass um very, you know, obviously a lot of these guys have limited matches, but like I, like I prefaced this whole thing. I mean, fuck, there's a lot of people who have just don't have a lot of matches, honestly. Like this year, people just didn't get the chance to really break out like they have in past years. Um, but on top of that, O'Shea, amazing promo, amazing character work, the stuff that he posts of his promos online. Um, he's just so fucking good, so believable, so smooth. Um, Match with uh, with Vordell Walker, Scenic City Showdown was fucking epically badass. Uh, match with KTB in 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 uh, Pizza Party was also phenomenal. Just big badasses beating the fuck out of each other. Um, I thought a really good run in the Scenic City Invitational. Really, the weakest match was probably the the for him was the the main event. But uh, you know, there's the issues with the kind of booking and everything with that i think in general even though i i did kind of enjoy it i think a lot of people maybe liked it less than i did um but i thought that you know even still his kind of performance was not you know amazing in there uh compared to the stuff that he did in the rest of the tournament which is unfortunate to have your the last match of the show kind of in that way um uh the one called manders and sup match was fucking phenomenal like had a a kick-ass match with Kurt Stallion, which is saying a lot for me, because I don't really like Kurt Stallion. I think most people know that about me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just a guy who overall, I think, was has been really, really great all year. Um, and another one of these guys who 
can maybe a potential guy, but maybe not even a potential guy. Like a really a, a right now guy in a lot of ways, I think. Um, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, just uh, someone who really, really uh, kind of had a had a breakout or you know the beginnings of a breakout year. Um, all in all, to, as far as I'm concerned. No, he no, he's awesome. But I guess as far as uh, actual in ring, I didn't like en- I didn't like enough of his matches to really be able to justify it. But again, he's awesome, and I'm not mad at him being included anywhere on a list on a list like this because he's been one of the bigger breakout stars. So you know, him being on the top fifty does make it a lot better when you consider like he's one of the guys that when you think of people stepping up and filling the void on the U.S. Indies, he is certainly one of those names. Um. 37, okay. 30, 37 yeah, for me is Tom Lawler. A little bit lower than you, um, but that's also because someone fudged the books a little bit here. Um, I'm not going to say who, but uh, <laughs> oh, that yeah, yes. I, absolutely bullied. Into but like I said, you having did Tom just Lawler do on a my ballot. MLW um, recap, so you know, you know that he deserves the spot. Absolutely, absolutely, and then. Tom is a guy that when he does get chances to go and work other places, Tom takes full Tom takes full advantage of it. He's a great wrestler. And when you when you had him like when you had him last year, I completely understood it. I just hadn't seen enough of Tom. But Tom is great. He works a style that me and you both really enjoy and are partial to. He he does it well. He has a really strong or he has a really strong aura. I like when he I like when he got to show up and do turbo grabs. I liked I liked the stuff in AIW, uh, the stuff in the stuff in GCW, getting, getting to do blood sport, even a few of his warrior wrestling shots and all that. Tom Lawler Tom Lawler is great man, and he's a guy that's very palatable anywhere you put him. You can put him anywhere, and I think that Tom Lawler is going to be an effective guy on the card wherever he is, whether that's well wrestling Jacob Fatu and. Having a couple of title matches with him, whether it's wrestling Eddie Kingston, wrestling Eric, wrestling Eric Stevens, uh, Chuck O'Neill, anybody. The the Dickinson match I thought was pretty good. That one from episode nine of Uncharted Territory season one, I thought I thought was I thought was very good. And he's a guy that's just super consistent, man. He isn't he he doesn't blow he hasn't blown me away really since the Jonathan Gresham match that he had that he had last year but he's just so consistently good he's really solid in even in not being the the face of MLW anymore he's a guy that's just going to help the product and getting to do stuff like wrestle Timothy Thatcher and sort of a dream match for me and you and deliver and be just as good as we expected it to be and yeah. Tom Lawler and last is year, I mean, really he was awesome. Way up there for me. You just mentioned it, and it was like last year. A big part of that was, and, and this is no shock to anybody, but to me, being the top face, the top guy, the ace, even without the championship of a company, means a lot to me. And that's just it always does affect um, kind of your ranking for me overall, especially when you when you do it well. And he did it super well in MLW last year, um, so that was part of what kind of bumped his his stock. And then this year. I, you know, this year I won't say he like took a step back, but it felt like he did a little bit. He wasn't, he didn't have as many great matches, and part of that is because he didn't have weekly TV, where he was a big time focus and important character the entire time, as much as he did last year. Um, 
so you know that's gonna that's going to hurt you a little bit in my <laughs> rankings maybe maybe it hurt tom more than it deservedly should but you know whatever um but he is a guy who can show up anywhere and feels comfortable and a lot of that comes down to i mean um alex shelley i think was just tweeting this out the other day like talking about like basics and grappling and and being able to wrestle like lasts you a lifetime and is always there for you to go back to um and lawler has that so in any setting he can always go to the ground game to the wrestling game and so he feels comfortable no matter what um really like did you see the josh barnett match from q pro this year um really really enjoyed that match um, I would recommend that to people. Um, yeah. But then also he can do stuff like, you know, wrestling Tim Donst in AIW. Like, he can he can really do it all. He had a fun street fight with Jimmy Havoc in MLW. Uh, I mean, that's not saying much, but still. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he can just – he can kick ass pretty much in any setting, and he does, and he continues to do uh, – Constantly, I just yeah, I, you know, last year he really got to show off an MLW being the face of the company. And I think that's a that's the that's the spot for him is a top face. I think people just like him. And this year, I mean, MLW even had him kind of turn a little bit heel, um, and you know, he just really wasn't the focus as much. Um, but I mean, still, I mean, just a guy who who needs to obviously needs to get out there a little bit more, um, but really is starting to to starting to get booked all over the place um and i think that people just need to understand that they can do everything with him i think is really the problem i think that most people want to just use him for like a you know he's the mma guy but he's he's the baby face he's the kick-ass baby face guy you know that's what he really is he's the you know the the champion of the people i've i called him like the um the uh like the the, the come town baby face of the world or something or i can't remember exactly what it was but simon really liked it and it's it's true he's got that like every man like ability but he's also like kind of crass and you know he's he's definitely a, a person of the early 2000s internet like that is definitely his sense of humor and his vibe and so like he most people <laughs> like you know gravitate towards him he's He's UFC. I mean, he's from the Ultimate Fighter. Like, he's the Ultimate Fighter champion, like, kind of wrestler. So that's, like, there's definitely a segment of wrestling fans who fall into that same category. Oh, 36. All right, so uh, what's your 36? I wonder if you'll have him higher. My number 36 is the seed ball, Mike Bailey. No, no chance of Mike Bailey. No okay. chance um, of Mike really? making Okay, I mean, no. <laughs> I, I, I just, I just can't justify it, man. Like, I, so I even got, got Fight Club Pro streaming service to there. see if I could do it, and it's, it's, it's yeah, it's I can just, see it's that. just not I mean, there, man. He still had a lot of good stuff in DDT this year. Um, maybe not as strong as last year. Um, but. I mean, still, I mean, one of the best baby faces in the world. Um, you know, technically, we have the the, the king of DDT from, uh, from I guess, this year. It's, you know, it was the one that happened early in the year or whatever. Um, that I thought, or actually, what am I thinking of? The king of DDT is a separate thing, not, not D-king. Um, I thought he was pretty good in there. Um and just kind of popping up around, especially like WXW showings, having some good stuff. Fight Club Pro, uh, showing up more in the UK in the in the tag team with Mao. Uh, I thought, you know, that's been a nice little addition for the last couple of uh, couple of months, um, maybe even month. It hasn't even been that long that he's been doing that. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of a good little pop-up for him to show up and have some good matches. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think still just delivering. Maybe I can definitely see where you're coming from. That it's not He's not quite the level of last year, but he's also like nowhere near as high as he was last year for me as well. But I still really enjoy everything he's doing. Um, really like the match just recently with uh, with Carlos Romo. Or actually, no, no. I did not see that match. Um, what am I talking about? Um, yeah, I mean, the uh, lot of lot of solid stuff from Speedball this year. Car Noir match in, in Fight Club Pro, Thatcher match in Fight Club. Pro. Oh, the Thatcher match was fucking phenomenal in in Fight Club Pro. So yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, yeah, that, I that was that was really from, fun. But again, like, there's not a lot of people who have a really heavy kind of. Um, kind of volume year so it's like yeah whatever um the walter ambition match i thought was really good yeah. um the the bobby guns match in the uh wxw toronto i thought was also really good it did you know upheld in comparison to their match last year um gal g i was like really hyped for that match and then uh i thought that, that delivered you know phenomenally mike bailey really really kind of not held his hand but i mean that's a super green guy and mike was able to take him to a pretty solid match that I, I was very enjoyable so i mean yeah I, I i get where you're coming from not a lot of meat on the bone unfortunately for bailey this year but uh but the stuff that he did have i thought really really was you know i mean he's one of the best wrestlers on the planet and one of the best baby faces in the world um just has to get the chance to to actually show it off yeah i said uh again we we're, we were over the moon about speedball last year so, it doesn't come from me not wanting to have him high or not even lo- not looking to have him higher. It just it it just didn't hit for me in a way that I would have been hoping hoping for it to do so. But again, it's you know I'm I'm glad he, I'm glad he's on yours, but I just couldn't muster it up to put to put him on the top fifty. All right, so for me at thirty six is gonna be a little bit. Of a shocker here, but um, oh, I have Cashano. Okay. okay, I can see it. He's definitely been delivering some solid stuff on uh, the fake TV show, as you like to call it. But uh, but yeah, let's hear about him. We talked about it a little bit when we did the uh, show a couple of weeks ago, and you hadn't seen them. I don't think you had seen the match when I when I said this, but. The Ono versus Bait match from NXT UK, uh, where they pretty much get to go like twenty five minutes. It shows you that if if just Ono decided not to sign, he still would have been a tippy top elite wrestler in the world. He still has that kind of talent. And it's not like it's not even athletically, it's just he's has such a high wrestling IQ, man, and the guy realized that, okay, well, they they're booking me as a heel. And I'm and I lose all the time, so I can't really do this big badass thing anymore. So what does he do? He turns it into like this sort of cheating and smart sort of like wrestling genius character. He's calling himself where he does a lot of shortcuts and and old and old tricks that are getting blended into the typical Cassius Ono bully beatdown formula, and it's fucking awesome. And the obviously the pinnacle of that. Is him getting to do that match with Tyler Bate that goes that goes on for a, for a good for a good amount of time, but just individual performances doing stuff with like a like a kid or 
or Ken, or Kenny or Kenny Williams or Matt or Matt Riddle and all that stuff is that he is great in all the glimpses of him that we get to see. And I think that's what stuck with me this year with him is that you know realistically, like other is there is there a way where I could easily just not have him on the list because he didn't do all this other stuff? Sure, but I like I like what I was given from him, and then even in the other st- other stuff like the Josh like the Josh Briggs and Walter matches Walter matches and evolve I thought I thought were solid the British rounds match or, that I had that he had with Sid Scala I thought I thought was really fun and he just routinely did awesome stuff the the Jack Gallagher match from NX from NXT UK even having a solid match with Kushida which you know kind of underwhelming given that in 2015 if you said we're going to book Chris Hero versus Kushida you'd be like oh my god this is going to be the match of the year it's not that but it's still a really good cash is on a performance and i think that's the thing that i want to drive home here is that when i say when i give out these compliments i'm not saying it as if i think that this guy is just going out there and giving you great match after great match after great match but individually watching his work and then watching and just watching how his brain operates in wrestling right now in 2019 he's a guy that still very clearly gets it and he would still be. He still might be the best wrestler in the world if he decide. If he decide. If he didn't decide to go take that WWE job. And again, not begrudging him for that. The reasons he have for that, you know, he's been wrestling for twenty some odd years, and he's a guy that easily could make a living being a trainer at the PC. And I'm pretty sure he's still doing that whole player coach deal there. But that guy is still extremely talented, and it's at the same time really really cool to know that he still has it in him but it kind of sucks to know that we're gonna we're still gonna lose the years of this guy being kind of at his prime as a wrestler because he still is that good when it comes to understanding yeah. just how I wrestling mean, works if i wasn't if i didn't have my ban on all uh um nxt wrestlers he would definitely make the list because he he's still been phenomenal this year even in NXT and then showing up in NXT UK and then yeah this whole run that he's been on has been just amazing he's so fucking good it's sad it's sad how good he is and that he's just getting wasted the way he is but good for him I guess uh, can't complain for him I mean like like the like the best we could hope for is like he goes down as like this generation is regal like which which I think is like yeah. might be the like might be what happens here where like he's like he's not Danielson he's not Styles he's Gonna, he's gonna fall behind the likes of Okada and Tanahashi, and maybe even fall behind the likes of of Cesaro. But in his late stages, if he still is given the opportunity to wrestle, and I think he is well liked there, well respected at, at at WWE, like you know, maybe he does get these like late career William Regal style showcase matches where he gets to go in there with the young guy and really just do everything that he has in his mind. And just do the most effective and great wrestling possible, but I think he's a guy that's career that's that his late stage career is going to get lost now because right. I you mean, know he's doing it on a fake TV. He's kind of like the, this generation, Buddy Rose. You know, I mean, he's just a, this guy is just so good and just so overlooked. And yeah, he'll never get the the chance to really show it off at the max. Um, even I mean. That's something people overlook, I think, just because wrestling, you know, and personalities of people who aren't like it's not as, as as well known about what people are like behind the scenes, and so you compare him to Regal because you know that how much Regal cares about wrestling, and he's so invested in it. But 
A lot of the Portland footage that we have is because of Buddy Rose buying a VCR and taping all of the Portland shows. So it's kind of like you have to remember that like Buddy Rose was kind of a wrestling nerd too because how many other wrestlers at that time do you know of that were like recording all of the footage from the wrestling show just to have it? So, you know, it's like it is kind of a a comparison to make really. So like, yeah, he he really is kind of like the the, the Buddy Rose, the, the William Regal. He follows that line of of people. Um, my 35, possible you have higher, but I don't know. Um, uh, Robbie Eagles. No Robbie Eagles. Okay. This was, I no mean, Robbie Eagles we've been talking year. about it for a while that Robbie could break out. I think talked about how he wasn't getting the respect that he deserved. At least I did for being like kind of the workhorse, the, the real badass, like fucking bring it guy in all PWG shows continuing to always have like the best show of the night on every PWG show. Um, and just getting overlooked in that regard. Um, and then, you know, at some point these people are going to realize just how good he is. And I think that this was the year that in a lot of ways he really did finally break out and get the respect he deserves, but it wasn't, here it wasn't in america it was in new japan and uh unfortunately new japan doesn't you know treat juniors with a lot of respect but i think that especially his tag team with with osprey really gave him a lot of shine and really kind of helped i think to make him into an act that they're they're definitely they like him and they definitely see something important in him i mean they you know they they protect obviously they protect the birds of prey tag team because they're Osprey is important to them, but I mean, he's right there with him. And so they're getting a lot of big wins. They're getting time. They're getting to have great matches. They're getting to show off what they can do. And so that means a lot, um, for, for what, you know, Robbie Eagles gets to do. Um, so yeah, I think that this was the year where Robbie Eagles is becoming a star. Um, the match with Gresham, I saw PWG live fucking amazing. I loved that match so much. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I don't know how many people saw it. Cause at this point, no one gives a fuck about PWG anymore, but, uh, but that match was really fucking good. Um, just great. Like dueling kind of limb selling stuff back and forth grappling. And it was like Robbie getting to show off what he can do. He's not just a high flyer. He can also fucking tell a story and, 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 and kind of sell some limbs and all this, um, great matches throughout pretty much the entire best of the super juniors could have really could have been the MVP of the best of the super juniors. If it wasn't for the fact that he was, you know, in a tournament that also involved two fucking madmen who were just on on a tear, trying to like prove to the world that they're the greatest wrestlers on the planet in both Will Ospreay and uh, Shingo Takage. But any other year, Robbie Eagles' performances throughout the best of the Super Juniors is like, you know, otherworldly MVP level performances. But unfortunately, he gets completely overshadowed by by two guys that are just fucking nutters, absolute nutters. Who I'll just spoiler alert: both guys end up like I think in my top five, maybe top ten this year. Um, just because, yeah, top 10 for both guys this year just because of how good they are. So, unfortunately, he had to compete with that. But any other year where you're fucking in there with, like, Tiger Mask and, and guys at that level, he's definitely the MVP of the tournament, unfortunately, uh, not this year. Junior title match in Melbourne against Will Ospreay, phenomenal. Um, yeah, just, I mean, like I said, I think that this was his year. He really got to break out. And it's funny because it feels like he broke out as tagging with Osprey, which kind of sucks because he doesn't get to stand on his own feet. But I, I, I definitely think that he's positioned to be the next kind of junior ace of New Japan at some point um, when Osprey finally gets moved up. I think that he's clearly in line to take over that X spot, and then we'll then we'll go from there. Um, and I think that he's the kind of guy who can get booked all around. And, and again, like I was talking about in PWG, steals the show every night. And 
if he does kind of get that notoriety, let's fuck imagine if if all of these random ass bookings that LP is getting, if it was Robbie Eagles instead, how fucking phenomenal those matches would be. Yeah. We 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 waved that Robbie flag, and eventually a lot of our friends came around to like to liking Robbie. <laughs> but you know, knee work knee work Bob is. I saw I saw that I saw, I saw that Gresham match, and like you said, it was great stuff. And he was sort of the unsung PWG MVP. But that's sort of Robbie Eagles' career up to this point in the most prominent spots. Is that sort of like the un, unsung MVP there, unsung MVP of PWG, the unsung MVP of Best of Super Juniors. Even in these tags with Osprey, Osprey is clearly, you know, he's the guy that's getting all the wrestler of the year, maybe the best, maybe the best year wrestlers ever had, Buzz. And, you know, Robbie's right there, still getting these moments and filling, filling, filling these shoes just fine. He feels like, obviously, he's getting presented as Osprey's protege or Osprey's junior, but he's he, he, he's just as good he's just as talented and he can do a lot of the same stuff and even and even probably do some stuff a little bit better than than Osprey can and i'm i'm just glad people i'm just glad people like him man we were we were we were going we were going hard hard for him for a couple of years and i'm just glad that people seem to be taking notice that yeah. Robbie is one of the best wrestlers in the world right so for me Okay. I have AJ Gray that you mentioned a little bit earlier. All right. So, AJ doesn't have a single match that personally I've rated like at four stars or higher that has happened this year. And that's not very common for someone to be on my list, but don't have any matches on my match of the year tracker. And that's because AJ more than any more than anyone this year was just sort of a of a machine really with just going out there and having good match after good match after good match after good match wherever he was and this goes with him being the BLP Midwest champion and doing doing and doing stuff there this goes with this goes with him getting the glory pro title this goes that goes with him um even like in his brief title, his very brief title run in GCW and that solid, that solid match with Nick Gage, he is a guy that just goes out there and he is just awesome every time out. To the Tony, the Tony Depp and Discovery Gauntlet match was super fun. The Crown of Glory match versus Paco, versus Paco Gonzalez and being the champ in PPW and wrestling guys like wrestling guys like Ace Austin and Cole Radrick, he. He did. He did it everywhere. He did it with everybody, and again, we 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 talked about him enough. He's a guy that we really do think should blow up and will blow up in the next year. But he was just a machine man. Of you throw him on any card all, all over the country, whether it's Action, AIW, Glory Pro, Black Black Label Pro, Beyond, GCW, and the guy just delivered at a high level every time out. And no, there's no match of the year contenders here. There's nothing that's going to make my match of the year list. But if I was just looking for a guy where if he's on the show, I'm going to be more inclined to check it out because he's on it. Yeah. That was definitely AJ Gray for 2019. The, way, the stuff that you say and, and thinking about everything, I'm just like, damn, I think I may have had him a little bit too low, honestly. But whatever, that's what you get. That's that's institutionalized racism. I apologize. I will try to be better next time. 
Um, but here's the thing. You mentioned that <laughs> one thing I'm thinking about with the Beyond. He shows up in the Discovery Gauntlet, and he he had the uh, the little bandana, and I was like, "Fuck!" 2017, AJ Gray showed up, and that was kind of unfortunate because I think that he probably was trying to bring some of that when he was a little bit more of a high flyer to be flashy and get noticed. And it was kind of a, a, to me, it's a little bit of a step backwards because 2019 AJ gray fucking kills it. Like I, I love this guy. He's everything he does looks fucking amazing. Now he doesn't do a lot of high flying like he used to, but he just goes out there and he beats ass. And I mean this shit, his shit looks like a fight every time he's just double tough. The stuff with like Jake, something, the matches that they've had with each other is fucking Whew, those guys, yeah, those, those, boys those fucking the roll. fucking piss out of each other, and I love to see it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if you did you. I'm not sure if you caught him, AJ versus oh, AJ versus. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Elgin I um, from yes, that was fucking just beefy. Two just badass fucking dudes. Did you check out the um that Paradigm Pro the like shoot style show that they did? Yeah, that his match. Yeah, that, like, yeah, I got good. around I to mean, it. Like, it didn't. It, did, it wasn't UWFI. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't really sh- shoot style, but it was yeah, clearly. tough. <laughs> it was and that's like... the thing about AJ. Like, he doesn't... I don't think he makes sense in a shoot style setting because he, in pro style, he works like a like a badass, like, fighter. So, like, he doesn't really need to add in the idea that it's, like, a shoot style setting. It just... It kind of... It doesn't take him out of his element, but it just kind of, like, doesn't... It's unnecessary. So, yeah. The, the 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 Jake Parnell slash Warhorse matches that he got because I think there were I yeah. think there was two or three of them that happened that happened this year, but all all yeah, all of them very one, good I think was for the TV title and fucking just owns like he feels like the guy yeah. who could have that title. Talk about yeah, ooh, ooh, yeah, Slim I mean, Jay, <laughs> just so badass and yeah, like another guy having another guy having a good match with Kurt Stallion. So add another one to the list of people who can pull that off. Um Jonathan Wolf match. I I don't know if you saw that, but I fucking loved that match. Like Colby Durst match in Impact. I mean, not a match that many people probably are gonna cap for or, or be super into, but those are two guys that I love. So like them together is is perfect because they both kind of have this like little bit stout, shorter guy kind of vibe. AJ's obviously comes across even more of a badass, but but uh, but yeah, I mean, I love the guy. I think the world of him, and I'm I'm with you that I think that like this could be. He should be breaking out. He should be a fucking star. And I mentioned institutional racism. That's the only excuse for not having this guy be a fucking star because he's got it all. He's got personality. He's got credibility. And like you said, he's a fucking whore. Like, we're going to talk about war horse. He's a fucking workhorse. This guy is out here every show having badass matches over and over again every night. And, like, doesn't have to do a bunch of shit. Like, that's the thing. He doesn't have to do much. Big-ass lariats fucking slamming some people around and it's just always a, a pleasure to watch he he's he's a guy that really under that really learned that less is that less is more because aj aj physically can do all the stuff that all the other guys are doing Fos, fosbury flops and a whole bunch of other crazy dives with that aj was doing a few years ago in his career and now he's really zeroed in on being doing this more hossy style of just unbridled force on his lariats a lot of chops and just having this really believable charisma and aura about him and i think aj is such a fascinating prospect because he does have that next level to go to because a lot of people probably don't know that aj has that high flying stuff in his bag so 
when he does get a chance to go out there and do that stuff again in a more in more high profile situations like a longer title match and you go into the later stages of the match it's like oh AJ just decided he was going to bust this out that is going to catch some people off guard because it's like oh holy shit AJ yeah, hasn't exactly. done that in like two or three years at this point shit. hopefully he doesn't do Brock Lesnar trying to do the shooting star press though yeah but, uh, but well hey we'll get there man I mean this guy <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's a fucking beast um 34 for me I think you'll probably have these guys separate and I really wanted to get them on the list in separate spots for all of them but just like last year but they've they're working their way up I got more than hype yeah no no I just I, I couldn't put them on this year I just I, right. I, and yeah I, was I, like I, I wasn't I feeling it again I, I wanted to break them up and have them have all their own spots but as I started to like think about it I was like nah they just they're not quite there they did they yeah, they say they did. They don't have it just yeah, just but just yet like last to, year to, and even a little bit more because they got around to a few other places. They are really the the heart and soul of OTT for the 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 locals. Um, really, the the guys who throw them in there with anybody, throw them in there with again. Similarly, I've talked about it, you know, before. Like you throw like with the with um, I can't remember who at this point, but anyways, you could throw them in there with anybody and they'll have a really good match if it's you know. Um, uh, Kings of the North who've been wrestling forever or it's like random fucking tag team put together with like uh, like OJMO and, and Omari or, or and whoever else and, Al- and Alex and Alex Cuevas like that like that match was awesome um, I'm not sure like, I'm not, did you like the uh, Nathan Martin and Darren Kearney versus yeah, Grizzle Young match. Vets match <laughs> that I, was, thought that I was going rocked. to mention that one so yes that match fucking owned so yeah just like just such a a really fun, interesting team. But then, yeah, they, they got around a little bit more. They got to wrestle some matches in progress, um, primarily against Do Not Resuscitate, um, which was, you know, good stuff there, kind of playing baby faces. They wrestled a bit in, in a Fight Club Pro this year, um, having some, you know, good trios matches there with, like, Devlin Omari Banks. That match, I thought, was really good. Um, so, yeah, it's just, like, it was really... That's why they got bumped up this year. It's just, like, they got to... They did the same as ever as they do in OTT, really being the guys. Um, and when they're not just a tag team or not just a trios, they're also, you know, getting to do cool, like, ladder matches, like CJ or LJ Cleary doing a ladder match and, and uh, just recently for the, the, the title. So, yeah, I mean, they, they got out a little bit more even, fight you know, uh, attack fight club pro but then they still continue to be the uh the really the the heart and soul of ott which arguably ott could be promotion of the year i think that a lot of people might have ott as their promotion of the year this year it's not a, a crazy stretch and uh and these guys are really the like i said the the heart and soul of the of that company so that that says something a company that's growing and doing well and drawing big houses and having great shows and these guys are on every show and and are not an insignificant part of the show on every show yeah i mean it's it's every show with these guys whether it's the rascals or just completely random thrown together teams like chris ridgeway lucky kid and omari or getting to face established teams like James like James Rick and Zach and Zach Gibson, they are always doing something and always just at the forefront of these cards and always delivering. And I, I want to get to a point eventually where, may, like, where maybe I can just have Darren and Nathan as a tag team, where I can have AJ, where I, have, where I can have LJ as a singles. But we're still not there yet. 
but me not having them on my list is not some sort of indictment against them. It's just I'm still waiting for a little bit more separation before I have them on here because I think having three people, I think like with the Young Bucks, like I always did it with them just because like that's what they are. They are tag team wrestlers. And just because I don't think that's what the ceiling is for all these more than hype guys. I think they're, they are more than that and are going to be more than that. So it's like it's hard for me to commit to having them all right. three and together I, like, like said, they are I one really, single I really unit. was trying to do all three of them and, and where are they going to go? And it's weird to just have them all together and like really next to each other. At that point, why not just put them in one spot? So that's what I ended up with. It's just like, yeah, you know what? Another year. We'll see next year. Hopefully they can, they can get it. Uh, 34 from you, Quentin. What do we got? A guy that you might have higher than me because I'd be I'd be shocked yeah, if you didn't I've have him. But my thirty four is Tony Deppen. Talking about him eventually. Um, thirty three for me. Hmm, this is an interesting one. I've got MJF. No MJF. Okay. No. I mean, no MJF. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, I, I don't. I'm not sure what. I mean, I'll have one match of his that I really enjoyed this year, but I'm not sure what the case is honestly, for him because I didn't. I didn't see a lot of character work. Great. I mean, okay. Matches are solid. Um, he's he does have some solid matches. I will say, um, the the actually the match with Teddy Hart for the MLW middleweight title early in the year was really good. Um, even though it's Teddy Hart, I mean, Teddy sucks so much, but but he can do stuff, and and someone like uh like MJF can uh can can definitely help kind of ground him a little bit more and and deliver a match with a little bit more substance. Um. The match with Artie with Artemis Spencer and Defy I thought was really good. Artie's obviously amazing. We'll be talking about him later, obviously. I think uh, probably on both of our both of our uh, lists later on. Um, yeah, I mean the match with uh, with Kimberly and AAW I really enjoyed for kind of character sticky being a, an asshole kind of thing. Like that's his thing, and 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 he does it super well. His obviously his promo work in AAW recently has been fucking off the page and really helps kind of like put him over the top for me getting onto the list um had a pretty solid match with tk cooper earlier in the year in rev pro that showed off kind of uh tk being a baby face which is you know rare um having tk be like a really good baby face um i think he's solid but like mjf was able to play with him there um match with again with kimberly in beyond uh those two have really awesome kind of uh charisma or chemistry with each other um so yeah i mean a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of like solid performances a lot of great character work as the as a underdog shitty heel the dickinson match on uncharted territory i really enjoyed again for the, the character stuff um helping to build to the the tag team match with the dynasty versus team pazuzu that i really i thought was very good as the kind of the blow off of a mini feud that just again shows off like his uh his basically his uh his his ability to like get you invested in storylines and tell kind of tell stories that way um gcw match with marco stunt again just a, a shitty heel nothing like that's going to you know break the bank nothing that's going to it's kind of i mean it's similar to like the stuff that you're saying about aj gray and like always delivering really solid stuff but it's just like the it's the character it's the performance it's the it's the healing and then it's like he is always very professional very smooth and very good he never looks at a place in ring he's always delivering super well so it's like 
maybe not the best wrestler in the world mechanically, but you get invested in his matches with his personality and him kind of going over the top with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of his case for me is just being, being the really one of the best kind of character workers in wrestling, um, overall and, and really making more and more every time he kind of goes out there and, and plays with the crowd and, and gets everyone invested in, uh, in what he's doing. And, and the few chances that he got on the Indies to kind of build to stuff, it was always, as it built, it would get better and better. Um, and then kind of the, now that he's getting to show it off even more in, in AEW, I think it's going to, he's just going to continue to, to, to be even greater at that. But so far what he's been doing there is, is phenomenal. But then, yeah, for me, I think it's a little hard because we still haven't seen, like, really him even come close to what his potential is because I think, again, for MJF, we really started buzzing when he was, like, 19 years old. So, but even back then, you could see that this guy is probably someone that's built more for the long haul. Like, even when you go back to look at, like, early CM Punk stuff, you can see that he's he wasn't like the rest of his peers. He was someone that, because of the charisma and the might work, that he was probably more suited for long-term storytelling and programs which is why you know punk doesn't really have his defining moment until he gets to do the punk uh, until he gets to really do the punk and joe trilogy which is you know like long long-term storytelling and escalation over time and i think you know mjf hasn't had a chance to really go and uh, go that far yet but i think he has that kind of potential not anything as good as the punk versus joe matches obviously but in terms of something to sink his teeth into i don't think he's gotten that yet and that's what that feud is code with the with the Cody feud is going to be. I don't know we, like we we don't know how many matches they're going to have in 2020 if at all. Maybe they really try to build this thing up like, you know, as as long as they can without these guys touching each other having a match. But I really I think MJF is going to be a guy that where 2020 is a big year for him because this is going to be him in the setting that on paper works best for him. Being in a long-term story being a guy that got that gets to build the things over time and things have meaning and things have passion and things have emotion to it. And we'll see if he can carry up his end of the deal here because, again, on paper, this should be what MJF is made for. So I'm really curious to see how the Cody stuff plays out in 2020. All right. So my oh, number 33 uh, is later, actually. Uh My 32 is the War right. Horse. No war horse. I can't blame you. No war horse for me. Late, late cut, late cut. But I get, I, I I know for you a lot of the time that you're more forgiving when it comes to like, I guess maybe like the like a lack of in ring when the character when the character stuff is is so effective and so good. But it 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 wasn't enough for me to forgive him and put him on my list. Honestly, Um, in general, I can be a little bit more forgiving, as you said. But I think that this year, especially. I think barely anybody really got to show off in ring too much this year. Um, once we start getting into the tops, then we'll get to the people who really did. But but in the bottoms, I mean, yeah, like at this point, like fuck, like a guy like Warhorse can get it. And that's not to say that he's bad. I mean, he had a lot of good matches. You talked, you mentioned him while talking about AJ Gray. He had a series of awesome matches with AJ Gray throughout the year. He also continued to have like a a, a smattering of Gary J matches that were really good. Um, Zero one uh, junior heavyweight title with a guy who I'm really starting to enjoy and Jake Landers. I really really liked that match earlier on in the year. Um, Jeremy Wyatt match in 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 um, 
St. Louis Anarchy was really good early in the year. So, I mean, a guy who you can't say he doesn't have good matches because he does have a, a lot of solid matches throughout the year. Um, maybe not a, a ton, but it's there. So, you know, to, to say he's not an in-ring guy and it's mostly a character thing, I think is honestly wrong. I think he really only turns into the Warhorse character full-time, like midway through the, the year. Um, and before that, he was doing primarily just the, the, the you know, the, the badass fighter gimmick that he'd been doing already and, and just having good matches. Um, the... In- Oh, oh, oh no! I'm not. I'm not. Say, I'm not saying that to act like he wasn't having good matches, but I just like it wasn't like. And, and again, maybe this is just me because he does have sort of like the similar AJ Gray case of just going all over the place and not having great matches, but having good matches all over. But it just didn't stick with me the same way AJ Gray's did. I'm just saying that Jake Parnell was able to turn this whole thing into Warhorse being, you know, uh, actual viable champion for IWTV. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I thought that, that might have been a thing. The, the Scenic City uh, Invitational as well. Um, winning the, the scramble and then making his way to the finals. Um, the scramble, he, he was really good. The Kevin Koo match I thought was awesome. And then the final, I thought that he was... He delivered in the final in the role that he needed to. Like, it was... Un, it was Again, the booking was what, what it was, but I thought that he definitely filled his role super well um in that and kind of helped to build the story i think that it was good having him there in the role that he was playing and and what he was doing because he was a believable he could be the underdog who comes in from behind and wins with with makabe out of the tournament uh or out of the match you know so like okay he served a really good role there as kind of a, a red herring you you could say um the the blp um indiana state heritage whatever championship that they changed the name um of recently his run there was really good um kind of felt like a he was just like a a transitional champion or like just a um he was only meant to like basically get the title off of durst because uh they were moving durst up to the main title but uh then he started to like run with the title and i thought that he had some good matches and then eventually drops the title to aj gray um like we mentioned had a lot of good matches with him and really helped to to launch AJ Gray into a kick-ass title run that he's uh, still continuing to have right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, picks up the IWTV title, um, and you know, in the Turbo Graps tournament, which was, I mean, really, really fun. Unfortunately, one of his matches was against Lucky Kid, so, you know, you can only have such a good match with, with that guy. Um, but I did, I did really like the four-way with, uh, Romo, uh, Danny Adams and Jody Fleisch. Um, and then the main event with Eric Stevens and him winning the title there, I thought was really cool. Um, and then he's like hit the ground running with the title, uh, big defenses against basically a big defenses against all the people that he's already been wrestling, you know? So it's like people who he's got good chemistry with and has had some kick-ass matches with already. Then he just defends this title against them now. So just add a little bit more gravitas to it. You add a little bit more flavor to it with the whole warhorse persona and i and i just you know i really enjoyed the guy and i think that he he really made himself into a viable star this year which was like a couple years ago i don't think that you'd be saying that i i mean okay to be fair i did say it i did say that like you know when we were talking about the indies needing new stars that the gary j jake parnell feud was the kind of feud that made them into they should be getting booked all around and be stars but uh but, you know, at the same time, it's kind of like, is Beyond going to care about some, you know, little guy with brown hair? No, but they do care about the Warhorse, you know, and they do love the Warhorse. So does GCW book a gimmick show around, you know, the littlest Viking? No, but they do book a gimmick show around the Warhorse. So he kind of did make himself into a star with this over-the-top gimmick. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I completely commend him for it. And and, and Warhorse, uh, he's a guy that's been good for a long for a long time. I mean, I I still think that he has to, him and Gary J have this weird thing where they literally just can't can't have great matches with anyone else other than each other. You know, they have good matches, but as far as like stuff that's as good as their as as the stuff that they have together, it's just a really weird kind of chemistry they have. But he's he's been good all over the place. He's been a, he's been honestly probably the best representative that IWD, IWTV has had for the title since Gresham. Honestly, as far as someone who just makes it just makes the belt feel important and feel special and feel like they care about it, and uh, that's really that's really all you, can, all you can ask for. I just didn't like his matches enough to put him onto my top fifty. Um, going on going on to my thirty two, uh, I, I have Dragon, Dragon Lee. Lee and. You know, not for dislike, but just a lot of his year this year was Lucha. Yeah, uh, Dragon Lee has has some has some stuff in CMLL that was that was strong. Other stuff in Mexico that was strong, but I think I think a good amount of his keys, like I, I mean, the Mephisto match from from March in CMLL, the Cavernario match from January fourth in CMLL. Really, he has, a, and that's that's all good stuff there. But then, Dragon Lee is coming in the Ring of Honor, and him and and Roosh versus the Briscoes was genuinely really awesome. And the Briscoes, they don't make my top fifty, but they had a really underrated year. But they had some awesome, really wild and nutty matches with the with the Briscoe brothers. That you saw Dragon Lee. One of the main criticisms of Dragon Lee that. I've levied, I've levied against him, and other people have levied against him. Is that he is really just sort of been a spot guy, and then he tries to in- implement all these like Shibata esque tough guy spots, but he doesn't really do them well. He doesn't really do forearms well. He doesn't really do any of those spots well. And something in the time I've watched Dragon Lee that hasn't been explored really is when Dragon Lee gets to work a little bit heelish, or gets to work a little bit more nasty and mean and aggressive he is great at it he has a really great cocky arrogant air about him in certain situations and i think even like even though the briscoes are he are were heels at this point in time they and roosh and dragon lee have some real fiery and and intense matches that i liked a lot and then we go, and then we go back to Dragon Lee in New Japan, where he wins the t- he wins the title in a triple threat of Madison Square Garden that I thought was fun. I didn't, I didn't think it was anything great, but I thought it was a very fun match. And you know, we talked about it before, but you know, obviously Will Ospreay and Shingo completely steal the show in Best of the Super Juniors. But Shingo, ver- Shingo versus Dragon Lee is really great in that in that tournament. I think Will Ospreay versus Dragon Lee from Dominion is very is very good, and. Again, like I have my issues with Dragon Lee. He's not always the most fun person to watch. He doesn't do all the stuff that he tries to do super well. But Dragon Lee had a lot of sneaky volume this year. Uh, whether it was Japan, a sneaky ROH output, even even in even in Mexico, having more great stuff than you might extend you than you might be thinking. Just because Dragon just because Dragon Lee is all over the place, he has been great, and I enjoy, I enjoy I enjoy watching him. And you know he he was a he was a super fun guy to watch this year, yeah, even for all of his right flaws. Yeah, and he's definitely a, a, a sneaky big volume guy this year. Um, 
Oh, the Ken- the Kenny the Kenny Omega match that like yeah, <laughs> again, it's really plenty good of good stuff. stuff. There. Um, you talked about the, the best of the Super Juniors run was was phenomenal, and unfortunately, it's just it was a year where nobody was gonna break out other than the top two guys and best of the Super Juniors. I mean, it was just and um another one, the El Fantasmo final from the Super from the Super J Cup, which the the whole Super J Cup was really like a forgotten tournament because. It didn't like it didn't air live for some reason, so no one really cared about any of the matches that happened there besides Will Ospreay versus Amazing Red. But on paper, LP versus Dragon Lee sounds fucking terrible. They go twenty they go twenty five minutes, and it sounds like it should just be awful, and it's not. It's LP working the working the heel shtick, and it's effective, and it's getting heat, and is work and is working there, and Dragon Lee is fighting as his valiant baby face and the crowd is super behind him and again i'm not going in here thinking that this match is going to be great or that i want to like this match but the match works and that's a lot of dragon year, man is that for like i have my problems with them but then he goes out there and yeah, the matches I mean, just work and, and i can't deny that you, you know the you made a good point that this year he did tone down a, a good amount of the kind of ridiculous Shibata stuff in you know in some places in other places maybe he did it a little bit still did it a little bit too much but that's kind of his thing now um the uh the the ROH stuff is interesting especially now you talk about kind of the possibility of him him working as a heel now with a new um Ingo Bernabe is existing in ROH and he's a member of it so we'll see how that uh turns out but but probably a guy that I overlooked just because of being turned off by by the whole thing basically with the the shibata stuff and and just kind of what he what he has been for the past couple of years and maybe if i looked back on it this year it would probably be actually a really strong year for him um overall but i just kind of didn't even cross my mind to think about him all right so my number 31 is mercedes martinez I really strongly considered Mercedes, but I didn't pull the trigger on it. I kind of feel bad about it. Yeah, I can't blame you. And like I said, I didn't. I don't have a lot of women on my list, even. So it's not like I'm, you know, just trying to pull for women to put on or anything. But she just she had a, a really badass year. She's a legend. She starts out the year with two matches that I really enjoyed. I don't know if you saw the uh, the Kaylee Ray match in uh, in Rise. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so the, both of the Kylie Ray matches are really awesome. Yeah, really awesome. But then I also saw the AWS match where she wins the title from Tyler Bateman live, um, just because they went out here. That was really fucking cool. Um, really good match. Uh, she has a match with Big Swole in Rise again. That was pretty good. Um, let's, uh, you know, just, I mean, match in uh, AWS with B-Boy for the championship, another one that I saw live. That's like, unfortunately, that's part of the thing is she had a lot of really good matches in AWS this year that I saw that probably no one else will see, um, unfortunately, because that's just the way that it works, but they don't really put their their footage out, and I think for like the past three years, they've been saying that they're going out of business. I don't fucking even know. Um, either way, you know, obviously, she continues to have great matches in Shimmer. Um, tag team match with, uh, with Dash and... Uh, and um, Masamoto with a uh, tagging with cheerleader Melissa was really good. Match with uh, Charlie Morgan, fucking phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, just really killer stuff. She had a match with Nicole Savoy in AWS, another one that I really fucking loved live. Both of them are just really up my alley. They've had a few matches that I really, really like, um, but that one 
another one just just up my alley obviously that the way that they wrestle um shows up a couple times in aew and and especially like the battle royal she just felt like such a big time star coming out in uh in aew then she uh in a tag team match t- now tagging with big swole against uh ally and and uh sadie gives is phenomenal and then Probably match of the year, her match of the year, I mean, with David Starr. Could possibly be anyone's match of the year um, conversation. And then follows that up on on her return to Beyond with a really awesome match with Chris Statlander. Um, just, you know, like another one maybe doesn't have any, like, match of the year level stuff. I mean, maybe the David Starr one could be on someone's match of the year list. It wouldn't be crazy. But, uh, but really phenomenal performances every time from her um and really is just coming into her own as like a uh, a legend an elder statesman and someone who has the aura and the vibe as just like a uh a, you know a top level um kick-ass wrestler yeah mercedes mercedes is great man i'm glad that she's finally getting a lot of a lot of her due that she's been around for a while she's been great for a long time and now, you know, what you know, whether whether it's a product, a byproduct of the the U.S. indie scene drying up or not, she did deserve a run like this. So I'm glad to see her be able to go out there and wrestle with the other women rising on the scene, like Kylie and um, and Chris Statlander, and then get to go out there and have sort of an indie dream match of sorts against David against David Starr, where they get to go 30 minutes and really be a big sort of defining match for uncharted territory so far so i'm, I'm glad that, i'm glad to see you're on your list and i sort of regret not having her but again like as long as she gets talked about i'm still perfectly happy about it in my 31 to end the show off because I'm not, I'm not sure if you have this person or not but 31 i have daisuke sakimoto oh ah shit um i meant to have him on my list and i don't Oof. so yeah whoops uh, so. yeah I mean yeah like the Sakimoto the you know once again the king of January you know going out there and having having more good matches than anyone than anyone to start the year again and he's going through in Hama Kohei, Kohei Sato um the Shinjiro Otani match which was which was which was great the violent the, vi- the violence giants against strong bj i didn't enjoy the first tag but the one in big japan i thought i thought was i thought was really great and then other various scatters out throughout the year in in big in big japan him teaming uh him going up against the astronauts a couple times is is always fun and sekimoto going out there and getting and doing stuff like like the Chris, like Chris Dickinson, I believe, I believe the KTB match was this year and all that stuff, and really just venturing out and getting to do some more, doing some more cool stuff that Sakimoto hasn't really done because he was always more of a European excursion guy. So to see him come over to the states and be and be effective too, even if you're not getting the maximum effort, Sakimoto, he's still a very good professional wrestler, even at even at his base. Even even at his base effort, he's not going out there and and stinking it up. And Sakimoto just continues to be a model of consistency and and excellence. And he's not he didn't have as strong of a year effort wise as 
um, you know, his tag team partner and usual contemporary Yuji Okabayashi that we'll talk about in the coming installments of the top 50. But Sakimoto's a guy that, you know, is still in this stage of, stage of his career. He's a guy that works just as hard. And after a couple of years of being riddled with injuries and all that stuff, missing time off and clearly, clearly wrestling banged up, I think Sakimoto finally feels healthy. And I think this is more him feeling like a little bit of a return to form. Yeah. And this year he also had the Shane Mercer and the Eddie Kingston match that came yeah. in America. And uh, who did he have? Oh, the Walter match in, in WXW Toronto, which was all really good. So you talk about him being in the States and having good matches. Um, damn. Actually, now I'm trying to think. Was he in Wrestle- Was he at WrestleMania weekend this weekend? Or was that last year? I think I think I think that was last year when he was um uh, yeah. did that tag team match with the with the I was gonna say Thatch Point that's not it um, <laughs> <laughs> um Thatcher and uh, and Walter Ringkampf um, yeah yeah them uh, I think they faced and I think there was something I think there was yeah I think it was that thing was Thatcher and Walter versus Sekiwoto and Sawa I think yeah yeah which was was good stuff oh shit the Kyler Fletcher match in Fight Club Pro was this year. Oh yeah, it was too. Yeah, that yeah that was that was good. So yeah, he's a guy that, um, again, obviously gonna give gonna give effort in Japan, and you can debate how hard he worked in his you in his U.S. matches this year. But he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world, even when he's not giving you like crazy effort either. And then when he is, he can turn it into something that's really just not like that completely knocked you on your ass, like uh, like a, like a, like the Kohei Sato or Otani matches. Which he's, he's one hundred percent a guy that like uh, the only reason why he ended up not on my list is because I thought I put him on my list and I just overlooked that I completely because I remember even thinking and remembering him and being like you know he's on my list and he's just not there, so uh, I fucked up. Somebody shouldn't be on here. Someone on this list is not supposed to be here in Sakamoto. Is, so I, I apologize to him. Um, I guess that's it, Quentin. We're done for the night. We did it relatively quickly for the first part, but we'll see. Um, especially we've had very little crossover, so that's yeah. kind of impressive too. Um, it's kind of scary because what does that mean? Are we going to continue to have no crossover, or is there going to be a ton of crossover in the next two episodes? I don't know. Everyone's going to have to find out. Thank you all for thank you all for listening to this part. And you know, maybe you just go straight to part two after this. Who knows? Thank you for listening.